What's up, Videolanders? I'm Brad, and with me tonight are the Marathon Men, Kyle and Nathan. Remember, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook page at Adventures in Videoland. But beware, we are critics with attitude. Ugh. Anybody want to explain that? We say the F word and the S word and the J word and the Q word the and J the Y word. word. You, know, you, you know. know. you know. You know. Don't pretend like you don't know. Jizzy. Jizzy. DJ Jizzy Jeff. We get a little bit of that locker room talk, right. as our president calls it. I sure. think he calls it locker room talk. I your president calls it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, this podcast. So we get a little nasty. That's what we're trying to say. And spoiler alert. If you have not watched these movies, then We're talk about them. you okay. might be a little bit too straight for video. Yeah. <laughs> With that said, welcome to the Marathon Golden Idols. With our marathons, we choose five to six movies from the same genre or director to view and compare. The various category winners are given Golden Idols, and the movie with the most Golden Idols wins. This exercise has helped us understand filmmaking and change the way we watched movies. We use the marathon to examine and discuss films we've needed to see or haven't seen in a while. June is celebrated as Pride Month, so we decided to marathon six critically acclaimed LGBT films. Kyle, what LGBT films made the cut, and how do they stack up against each other? All right. Uh, from 2015, we have Carol, directed by Todd Haynes, starring Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, and Kyle Chandler. It got a 94 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.2 on IMDb. Uh, following up with that, we had Gods and Monsters from 1998, uh, directed by Bill Condon, starring Ian McKellen and was Brendan Fraser. Sorry, was that Bill Condom? Condon. Sorry. <laughs> Condon. Sorry. 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.5 on IMDb. Then from 2001, we had Hedwig and the Angry Inch, uh, directed and starring John Cameron Mitchell, and Michael Pitt also is in that. 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.8 on IMDb, which would be our which will be our highest on IMDb. So like the lowest on Rotten Tomato, highest uh, on IMDb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 2008, Milk, directed by Gus Van Sant, uh, Sean Penn, Josh Brolin, Emil Hirsch. Fucking just name any everybody. straight actor in Hollywood, and they were in this movie. Straight actor. Got a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.6 on IMDb. Then we have from 2016, La La Land. Oh, no, sorry. Oh. Moonlight. Moonlight. <laughs> that was a joke about the Oscars, guys. Come on. Uh, Moonlight, uh, directed by Barry Jenkins, uh, starring Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris, Janelle Monet. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.5 and IMDb. That is our highest on Rotten Tomatoes. J- just to fit this in here, La La Land was my number one movie <laughs> yeah. of last year. Just saying. Uh, and then we wrapped it up with 2015's Tangerine. Directed by Sean Baker, uh, starring Katana Kiki Rodriguez and Maya Taylor. I like how you said that. Can you say that one more time? Katana Kiki Rodriguez? Ooh, goddamn. Dude, he was fucking practicing <laughs> yeah, that shit. It's good. <laughs> so, that's that's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. That's what's why, up. Why, why did we choose these six particular ones? Yeah. I mean, I mean this was your marathon. Why so. Why yeah, no so. Brokeback Mountain? We did a poll. Okay, okay. So, first, so first of all, why, why did we do... Like an LGBT marathon. Yeah, right? where's Birdcage, Nathan? No, no. Okay, <laughs> Philadelphia so, won the poll. I think it did. It did. No, so you know, Kyle got to do a marathon this year. I'm going to do a marathon. It's my marathon. I can do with. I can do with it what I want. Okay, <laughs> first, first of all. Okay, and that's all um, that matters. Yeah, that's, no, no, that's not all that matters. I was going to do a giant robot versus giant monster marathon. I was going to do um, a whole bunch of stuff. I ended up going with the Pride Marathon. 
and that's quite the flip too. No, it, it is. Well, because I I talked to a friend of mine who's gay, mm-hmm. and we were kind of bouncing ideas about what we should do. And said, don't do that monster shit. No, no. I, I said like I can't really think of anything. <laughs> Didn't talk to any of your robot monster friends. No, no shit. <laughs> no, I, I talked to I talked to Mark Marquez about it. <laughs> um, no, so I talked to him and I was like, I don't, there's nothing really. You know, I was like when Kyle did his, like that's when baseball started, so it made sense. Like we'll do a baseball marathon, but I was like nothing really happens in June. He's like, well, you know. Something happens in June. He's like, I don't expect you to know what it is. And I'm like, well, what is it? He's like, well, it's it's Gay Pride Month, dude. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And so, first of all, I think it's something that gets overlooked in general. It's certainly something that we've never done before, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is important because we, we have to hit every genre. And I plan on doing this for yeah. years, we, so it needs to be done. We talk about how this is, this is an, an, an opportunity for us to... Watch films that we've not seen before that we need to see. Haven't and, seen in a while. And haven't seen in a while. And these are all films like that, I yeah. think. Um, so how did we get to, like, how do we narrow it down to these? Well, like, when we first came into it, I had Philadelphia on there. I had Birdcage on there. I had... Uh, uh, Brokeback? Bro- yeah, we talked about we Brokeback. Talked about Brokeback. <laughs> we talked about Brokeback. Which I will say, I think Brokeback... I'm not going to bust you too much on this. No, we, I, we, we I had some you. dialogue about this. Yeah. I do think Brokeback... Um, when when did that come out? Was it 2000, 2009, something like that? Anyway, whenever that came out, I knew it got it got beat up. Um, yeah. Actually, Crash got beat up by the critics. That one yeah. over Brokeback Mountain. They started calling the Academy. They said that they were homophobe, right. you know, because they didn't give Brokeback Mountain that that best picture. Yeah. So I think it would have been interesting to go back, especially since they kind of opened the door for that conversation right. such so early on. You know, so I also had Priscilla. I had Priscilla on it, right? But that was that was just nominated for Pantheon, so we took mm. that out. We added in Carol. Um, so this this has changed a lot. So why did we settle on these? Well, frankly, we try to go by what has the highest ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. We try to go by IMDb. Just so when, when people say, like, hey, why didn't we include this or why did you do this? It's like, well, we have something objective that we can point to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I love Philadelphia, and I, I thought it was going to be on the list, but it's much lower than these. Yeah. Brokeback Mountain's much lower than these. The lowest that we have on this list is 93%, yeah. which is pretty fucking good. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that's what we agree with. We, no. We've no, had exactly, 100, right. 100% films in here that we're like, that, that's just not a very Our good Our Western movie. Marathon, I think Liberty Balance, yeah. which won our Golden Idol, went on to Pantheon, won that. Mm-hmm. It was our lowest one. I think it was the lowest one. It may yeah. have been. Yeah. Nine, I think it was yeah. 92 or 93, 94, somewhere around there. It was not 100 now there and we had we had a hundred percent to choose from yeah. mm-hmm. the other thing that people have to understand is that we have we, we do these pretty regularly and sometimes like there'll be a hundred percent film that everyone says is great but like if we can't find it and we can't watch it mm-hmm. you know what I mean we only have three weeks mm-hmm. or whatever to do this they and also so, kind of have to fit together they too. also kind of so have like, to fit together so, yeah a lot of so people we, talk about birdcage and we're like well I mean that's a comedy that we're throwing in with drama so it kind of right. sets it too yeah. far but I do apart. think that we have all like we have like um Gods and Monsters is kind of like a biopic. Yeah. We have Heavy and the Angry Inch, which is like a comedy musical. We have Milk, which is like a biography political drama. We have Tangerine, which is like a really like slice of life indie indie film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carol's the, like a 1950s period piece lesbian film. We have Moonlight, which is you know, it's a it's a film about gay people of color. You know, like we have growing up in separate right. timelines. And we so I think we hit a lot of fucking bases, yeah. man. Like I really do. I will say I, I wish there was one on here that I didn't even think to suggest to you until I think last week is when I thought we about talked it. about this. Yeah, and because yeah, yeah. uh, you asked me, you know, like, hey, do you think anything's Pantheon? We usually don't talk about that, but Nathan was drinking yeah. a little bit, so we let it slide. <laughs> it was my birthday. <laughs> it was his birthday, and I did tell him like I I, I can't say, but. 
there is one LGBT film that I do think is Pantheon, and that's Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, sure. I love that movie. I actually watched that a part of this this marathon, my own personal. You know, if, if, there. You know what? If we would have thought of that, I would have knocked one of these fuckers out in a heartbeat <laughs> to make room for that. I just it surprised me that right. we didn't we, that we didn't. I know. I don't even it. know why. Not until afterwards. But I do want to point something out because there are some Rotten Tomato haters out there. Oh, yeah. Even even Cousin Wayne. I talked to him today. He's one of the biggest <laughs> Rotten Tomato haters. Yeah. And he's a versus guy. Yeah, he's and a versus guy, yeah. We do the same rating system on those. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I told him today, you know, and I, I pointed that out. But um, I think that, yeah, Rotten Tomatoes, like as you said, Kyle, they don't get it right all the time, but I no. think it's a great place to start a conversation. Right. But with that said, I think they, for the most part, they're, they get a lot more right than they do get wrong. And I want to point out a couple things that some people are like, you know, they want that birdcage. They want that right. photo. Why Carol? I've never fucking heard of Carol, right? I want to point out something real quick just for our listeners. And in case you're like, man, I'm going to shut this off. It's not, it's not for me. Right. Maybe you should watch these. Um, I want to point out that Carol, in the first major critical survey of LGBT films conducted by the British Film Institute in 2016... Carol was recently named the best LGBT film of all time. Yeah. Number one out of forty. The only other movie, um, actually, that's the only movie out of our top or out of our six mm-hmm. um, that was in the LGBT. Brokeback okay. was number four, um, and then I also want to comment on Tangerine. Yeah. All right. Tangerine is using talent from the LA LGBT community. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. And then Moonlight, first film with an all black cast yep. that won that won Best Picture. All right. First film or first LGBT film that won Best Picture. Um, the editor, black African American woman, nominated first time ever in the in the history of the Academy Awards. And uh, Mahershala Ali, first Muslim mm. to win an, an actor, Muslim actor to win right. the Academy Award. Those right there, just those three, like them, don't like them, important films that need to be discussed. Absolutely. So I'm really glad that those are on here. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we crack open the LGBT Pride Month? I just want to say that that we are... Three straight guys, so it's it's speak not, for yourself, Junior. <laughs> not not to say that you know that's wrong, but like you know we've done black exploitation movies. We're not we're three white guys. You know we're we're digging into films that don't necessarily hit our cultural significance, um, and I think that's also really important. And you know we might not uh, be as politically correct as we as we should, but we all are supporters of the the gay and lesbian communities. Uh, we right. we have plenty of friends and and family members and and whatnot that are in it and. You know, if you're one of those out there, and we say something that seems insensitive, like it is not meant with malice, no, right. it is just uh, ignorance on. Yeah, our because I mean, my, my cousin is gay. I just want to put, yeah, Wayne's gay. Oh, so <laughs> I knew that. Know, I, knew I think that. Josh is gay too. He's one of versus guys. Both versus guys are gay. Both uh, just had kids. <laughs> but that's okay too. We support. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I also we talked about this during the blaspotation thing as well. Like, yeah, like we're three white, you know, fucking cornfield looking motherfuckers, <laughs> but like. And so, yeah, like, maybe you, you might say, like, well, how are these guys qualified to, like, you know, to talk about black exploitation films or LGBT? Like, the thing is, like, we're people. You know what I mean? And I think that black people are people. You know what I mean? I think that LGBT people are people. And so even if I don't have those same experiences, I can empathize with those experiences. And I, I still understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Right? And, and in this, we're, we're looking at movies, you know? And, right. And cultural significance certainly plays yeah, a part absolutely. in these movies. but. We're breaking them down with these categories, and it's about how they are presented on screen. Absolutely. Yeah, if you break it down to its its lowest, you know, uh, form, it's it's about relationship. 
You know, that's right. something we can all get behind. Right. So let's break this open. Let's talk about movies. Our first uh, category that we always hit on is best film location. Kyle, where are we going? Man, we had a couple of pretty cool places uh, to go to. Um, and and one that really, like, keeps jumping out at me and standing out is Donut Time from Tangerine. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Um, because Donut Time is, is a place where a lot of important shit happens. This is where our movie starts. Mm-hmm. It's where our movie ends. And it's just this, uh, you know, little Mary Lou's type donut shop that everyone is getting all their business and, you know, big monologues out. And you're, yeah. you're meeting your characters here and you're getting the big climax of the story where everyone's culminating and having this, this blow up moment. And it's just fun to, to put these, you know, bombastic characters into this tiny enclosed, like, space. And there's some really, like, cool shots that are happening, especially in Donut Time, with as, as yeah. little space as they have. Yeah. It's just, and that's uh, that really adds to that location. Um, so you'll like look in, and it's very claustrophobic, and you just see the tables and the counter, and it's a donut shop. And then you'll be on the other side of the counter, and you see the beautiful like LA landscape, like right. sitting behind it. Yeah. And that's I mean, this is an LA story, so mm-hmm. it's important that you're getting both this tiny, you know, compact place plus this big expansive world of LA. Sure. Yeah, no, good pick, good pick. Time. So for me, man, it's uh, Bilgewater's Restaurant from Hedvig and the Angry Inch. This is the the restaurant chain that Hedvig and the Angry Inch, <laughs> yeah. like, they play in as they follow Tommy Gnosis around on tour. Um, it's the only place that will, like, you know, Tommy's playing in the stadium and they're playing in fucking Bilgewater's across <laughs> the road or whatever. And um, it's the same Bilgewater's Restaurant no matter where they go. That's they a just, real kick just, in the dick, too, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, they, they kick open the back door and you can hear fucking Tommy's, like, millions of fans. Like, so I just, it's the same, it's the same restaurant every time. They just redecorate it, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, every single scene where they're playing in that restaurant, I think, is a fucking blast. Like, I love just the idea of, like, this fucking transgender, you know what I mean? Like, like, and the, the, these like East, East, like East European, like immigrants, you know, like playing in front of people. Like they just want to eat their fucking dinner. Yeah. Like no, they don't nobody went there to fuck. listen to music. Like nobody gave, nobody came there to listen to like Hedvig, you know, go on about like his fucking one inch mound of flesh between his <laughs> legs. Nobody there. Like there's, this guy's like trying to eat soup and she's like, fucking car washing him and shit with her skirt like like i fucking i love that location man every time i watch this movie it just fucking kills me right on um i also want you guys to point out like i think the last marathon we did i get so excited about the marathon <laughs> that i forget to tell people what movie yeah that oh, we're right. talking about you know you guys both did great i get super you're excited gonna, you're gonna start with i gotta Brad. start with it um but let <laughs> me hit some honorable mentions i do want to point out to anybody that's listening great locations we're on from east coast to West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, honorable mentions real quick. Tangerine, L.A., man. Dirty. Drugs, prostitution. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen, like, like L.A. look as dirty. As, well, because it's still into, like, almost like a street-level perspective. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, with the iPhone. Like, yeah, and Donut yeah. Time, inspired pick. Yeah. I really like that. Um, another runner-up, Moonlight, set in mm-hmm. Miami. Mm-hmm. Miami looked great. Um, Carol, Manhattan, especially the Manhattan department store, looked mm-hmm. great. So just all over the place. Manhattan, Miami, L.A., so I'm going best film location. I'm going Milk, and I'm going San Francisco. Okay. Um, cool. If I need to focus in a little bit more, uh, Milk's Camera Shop, Castro Theater, Castro. just the street in general, uh, yeah. the Castro District. The Castro's um, awesome. Yeah, they, they dressed it up, made it look like 1970s. Um, I felt like I was transported to 1970 San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And ever since we watched, um, did our Alfred Hitchcock marathon, we watched Vertigo, Mm -hmm. uh, something that stood out to me was San Francisco. Um, If I ever get the opportunity to make a movie, it's probably going to be in San Francisco. Love that location for a movie. I went milk. 
So yeah, right that takes us to those were, the, those were the real shops and stuff too. Yeah, right? yeah. Actually, they, um, they I think um, Milk's Camera Shop. Was I think like it was a, a gift shop. shop. It was gift a gift shop? shop. Yeah, and then they bought that off of them or you know rented it, fixed yeah, it up. Yeah, and then the uh, the theater they took the um, the outside. Um, completely renovated to look like 1970. I mean, that street looked like it was 1970 Absolutely. San Francisco. So, um, yeah, just just beautiful. Um, that takes us to best character. Best character uh, for me. I mean, we got a lot of crazy characters in some of these movies, um, okay. and and Hedwig stands out above the rest <laughs> of them because it is such a unique character that. I mean, not even just within the scope of this marathon, but in the scope of just movies in general. Um, you have this, you know, like you said earlier, like this. Eastern European transvestite, like transsexual with no penis, no vagina, and like singing to crowds that don't want to fucking hear it. Like <laughs> it's so like wonderfully beautiful. Um, and Hedwig does go through these like very fun comedic beats, but also like really depressing, like horrible fucking moments. Um, and you know, you see flashbacks of you know the decision to 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 go through that change to and leave then, Berlin. Yeah, <laughs> That's to pretty le- fucked leave up. Berlin and and. And to go through this this metamorphosis of, of from a man to a woman and from being just you know a, a nondescript individual because there is no genitalia to define Hedwig so uh, and and all the weird relationships that people have with Hedwig that every single one of them is pretty much toxic but right and and Hedwig is almost the the villain of our movie absolutely even though we're even though we're watching you know a story about Hedwig like. Pretty fucking terrible person, but you're still kind of behind Hedwig the entire right. time. So that's why Hedwig. I also went with Hedwig. Um, I really like I like flawed characters, man. Mm-hmm. I like characters that have like pathos. Like so, you've got like this this Eastern European like. So first of all, like I, I love how tragic her fucking life is. You know what I mean? That like in order to escape East Berlin. She, like, marries this army guy, like, gets his fucking dick chopped off or whatever. It's, like, this failed metamorphosis, right? Only to, like, get to America. Her husband leaves her. The wall goes fucking down anyway, like, six months later. So it's, like, holy shit. Um, She's, you know, she's a musician. She ends up playing with, like, a bunch of fucking, like, uh, army wives, you know what I mean, at the mall. Um, You know, she, she meets Tommy... They kind of inspire each other. He goes on, takes all the good shit and fucking becomes a megastar and she's playing a fucking Bilgewater's restaurant across the road. Um, first of all, so first of all, like, what what I like about Hedvig is that, like, so I think she, she really is, like, the embodiment of, like, rock and roll. Like, rock and roll has always been like this, it, ha- it has a certain, like, irreverence and, like, sort of this anti-establishment sort of disregard for authority and that kind of stuff, like... Hedwig is like encapsulates that. You know what I mean? Like, I I so one of the, one of my favorite movies, as you know, is like Velvet Goldmine. And when they're playing in like in Bilgewater's, it, it reminds me a lot of when um when Kurt Wilde first goes on stage, right? And he's like fucking screaming in front of this crowd who like doesn't give a shit, and he's like waving his fucking dick at him and like <laughs> you know telling him to fuck off or whatever. Like that's this. It's like almost the same shit. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, you know, she's talking about, like, it's my first day as the woman. As a woman, it's already that time of the month. And, like, people are getting up and calling her a fag. And, like, there's <laughs> bar fighting and shit. Like, that's fucking rock and roll, man. Like, that's exactly what it should be. And so, like, I think Hedvig, for sure, best character. Just being, like, the embodiment of rock and roll. Right on. 
Oh, yeah, I love flawed characters, too. Um, I only have one, no runner-ups here. I'm going Gods and Monsters, and I'm going James Well. Um, yeah, the movie recounts the last days um, of the director. He's, he's sick. It goes over his memories of being um, a poor outcast, um, World War One, and then filming The Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I love about this character, too, is this guy does not give a fuck, man. He indulges in his in his fantasies. You right. know, whatever's, whatever he's thinking, like that pool scene where he's telling that guy to strip down, he, yeah, he doesn't yeah. give a shit. You know, he's yeah. going to tell you exactly what he wants, and, and he's going to probably get what he wants, too. Um, but what it, another thing that was interesting, too, is uh, we had two movies that dealt with 1950s. This mm-hmm. is uh, Gods and Monsters deals with 1930s, 1950s. Bride of Frankenstein was like, was like mm-hmm. 1932. But how terrifying would it be to be gay or lesbian in 1950, mm-hmm. you know, and to come out, you know, and to to say, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gay. You know, that, that, that would be right. hard. That would be a hard thing to do, you know. Uh, but just as a flawed character, someone walking away from this marathon, I want to know more about James Will. You know, yeah, I, thought, yeah. I thought it was very fascinating, very fascinating character. I, th- so. I wanted to touch base. I wanted to actually do this when we were talking about the films in the beginning, but this is a good opportunity to do it. So three of these films came out in the last, like, two years. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking about, like, major important films. And, like, so I think it's just indicative of the fact that, like, even though, like, homosexuality is becoming more mainstream and more, like, accepted, um, it's they're only just now getting films. You know what I mean? Like, getting films. Like, so, 1998, you had Gods and Monsters, but it was a film about, like, yeah, it was a film about, but he was, like, a gay artist, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, where people will accept, like, oh, okay, like, he was an artist. Or like Heading the Angry Inch is like it's a, it's this rock and roll camp drag type thing where like again people are like okay I get that sure you know Milk is a biography like that came out when they were it was Prop Eight right yeah, um, yeah. it came out like the same week as that yeah. so that was kind of you know why that was happening but then you've got like ta- like so then you got films like like Tangerine which is like about these like transgendered sex workers and stuff like that wasn't gonna happen ten years ago it wasn't mm-hmm. gonna happen twenty years ago it can only happen now. Carol, they were, they've been sitting on the uh, the screenplay for Carol for like thirty years. Really? Yeah, and we're just like nobody will, nobody wants this shit. You know what I mean? It's only last year that they're finally like, okay, like we can we could probably do this film. You know? Yeah. Same thing with, with like with like Moonlight. This is a, a film about gay people of color. Like, I think that's great that we are now in a position as a society that we're going to be making films like this. You know what I mean? I, think, yeah. I just think it's cool that there's so many that like just came out. We never have that. Mm-hmm. And so, just, yeah. I want to give a side note, um, get into geek culture real quick. Gods and Monsters was directed by Bill Condon. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been talking about the, the dark universe here lately. Uh, Mummy just came out. Um, Bride and Frankenstein is the next movie that's coming out in the dark universe, and it's actually directed by Bill Condon. Okay. So the guy who directed Gods and Monsters is directing the next Dark Universe movie. That's cool. Yeah, so I don't think it's I don't know. We'll see. We have a pretty dark opinion on the Dark Universe, right. but I think it's uh-huh. interesting to note that this guy does know his way around Universal, James Wells. Oh, that's cool. Things like that's that. Really so cool. that, that yeah. could be interesting if as long as the studio lets him do, you know, what he knows. Sure. <laughs> sure. You know? Um, that takes us to best screen duo. Uh for me, it's it, it no contest, it's Juan and Little. Um, from Moonlight. Oh, yeah. Um, just really, like, powerful stuff. Watching this, you know, incredibly confused little kid who who doesn't know what the word gay even means, let alone knows that he is gay, and this hard, badass, you know, drug dealer yeah, yeah, yeah. who can't have kids, who is looking after this kid mm-hmm. and, like, won't let anybody give him shit. Won't let anybody right. tell him that he's not the fucking man. Won't let anybody tell him that, you know, being gay is wrong. Even though, you know, 
Tawan, you know, he probably beat the shit out of gay kids when he was younger. But, like, he's got this connection with Little mm-hmm. that it, it doesn't matter who Little is. He knows, you know, his home life sucks. His mom is fucking a drug addict prostitute. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do whatever he can to take care of this kid, even if he doesn't fully agree with him. Um, and they just, I mean, Mahershala Ali's only in the first, like, act of this movie. And he right. won the Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Um, and there's a fucking reason. Like, yeah. he... he even though he's not in the last two thirds of this movie, he's still incredibly present in the last two thirds. Yeah, I agree. So yeah. yeah, I didn't. Man, the only reason I I I didn't pick that, but yeah, because he's only in the first he's in the first act of the film. It felt mm-hmm. weird, be like yeah, you know. Um, I think Alexandra and Cinderella were from Tangerine are a great fucking duo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, they knew each other before the you know then they lived lived together. They did yeah. before they shot the film, and you could tell like they have real chemistry, like organic chemistry. Yeah. Um, you know, just the the little beats, like you know, does she ever stop talking? She's like, eh, bitch, ain't fucking stop talking since I met her. <laughs> and like, you know, I anytime they're together on screen, like I believe them. Which is they, the whole whole movie, right? Which yeah. is the whole the whole film. I believe their relationship. When I think that's great. So for me, just for the authenticity of their relationship, I'm going to go with those two. Yeah, they're uh, they're the duo reminded me of a, an old comedy, but updated for like yeah, modern yeah, audiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was mine too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no one else for me, uh, Cindy and Alexandra uh, from uh, Tangerine. But yeah, two transgender um, actresses, um, Maya Taylor and uh, Katana Kiki Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, friends in real life, man. You And you could tell that natural chemistry yeah. is there. Um, I think Maya was actually taking female hormones while yeah. this was going on. Right. Um, I think, uh, was it Maya or Al- Alexander? Uh, they were actually working as prostitutes. They, so, I think they both so, were yeah, sex they, workers. Yeah. yeah, both were sex workers. And yeah, like you said, it's just so natural. I believe that everything that they're saying on there, some of that was probably improvised, you know, because yeah. they have such a, a good friendship on screen. Um, that was mine, uh, Tangerine. So, best villain, antagonist. Did you feel like this was a hard category? I, I do, because yeah. I feel like some of our protagonists were our villains. Like, I think I think Cindy, Cinderella from yeah, Tangerine yeah. is is our antagonist. Yeah, I mean, like, I think Hedwig in a lot of ways is an antagonist. I said, so, like, I said Hedwig earlier. I think, she certainly I think causes Black's all her own problems. Black is certainly kind of his own antagonist. You know um, what I mean? Even Carol's kind of a, mm. an antagonist. So, like... And James Whale is yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah. the antagonist. Like yeah. these are all the main characters. Um, the only movie that didn't have like the main character being your antagonist was Milk. It was Milk, and right. and it's it's Dan White uh, played by Josh Brolin. He straight up fucking kills a man, right? Um, right. Just because they have political differences, and and that that's why that one takes it. I mean, and and Josh Brolin is fantastic Josh in Brolin's this movie. Brilliant. Like a very understated performance, I feel. Um, and, and and it's it's a strange relationship to watch them in this movie because they start out like they're not really enemies but they're definitely not friends like they're just kind of like hey we're on different sides of the aisle here you know but we don't hate each other and then they start working closer and closer together because harvey's the only one that shows up to his son's christening you know so then they become like kind of friends but they're still a little standoffish and then when politics starts to break them up that's when you see this evil force kind of come out in, in Dan White. And you almost kind of, in a way, understand that path he's going down. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the the ends definitely don't justify the means in, in this case when right. he, he straight up kills Harvey Milk, which you're portraying a real man that really killed a man. Yeah. Right, right. So I also went with... If this was hard. I also went with Dan White. And I, I was talking to Rachel about this before. Like, I, feel, I was like, man, I feel like I'm going with Dan White just kind of because he's the only antagonist. But I was like, and that doesn't sound right. But the more I thought about it, though, like, he's a he's a great character. I mean, like, I was thinking about it on the way here. 
um, they have a really complicated relationship. I mean, in the in the beginning, like you said, like they're not really enemies, but they're you know they have a strained relationship. But like only Harvey shows up to his his you know his kids' christening yep. or whatever. Um, and, and you know you kind of feel for Dan at times because like you know they clearly do have some agreements that they've come onto or whatever. And Milk's kind of like nah, you know what I mean? Like Milk does fuck does fuck mm-hmm. him over, right? Yeah, like. Um, Again, the ends certainly don't justify the means, whatever. But you can tell how, you know, Harvey Harvey Milk is this this like political sort of tornado. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It comes in and it's just like is stirring yeah. everything up or whatever. And Dan White is just not. He's just not equipped to like deal with <laughs> exactly. that. You know what I mean? He doesn't. He doesn't. He's, he's, a not, he's not from that world. You know. Right. Um, so he he ends up. I mean, he ends up just kind of getting left behind. He's like the lone dissenting voice on this council, and like. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, Dan Dan White's a perfectly serviceable villain, and I and I do think that Josh Brolin's a fucking really understated in this in this film. Yeah, um, I got a little creative with this one. I went milk, okay, but uh, for my villain, I went with a villainous initiative, and that was Proposition Six, hosted by John Briggs. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't know much about Prop Six, you know, uh, with, before watching this Pretty movie. Fucked up. Yeah, yeah, man. And if there's any listeners that have not, you know, watched Milk, it would have removed all gay or lesbian school employees or their well, supporters well, from their jobs. Yeah. 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 And uh, can you imagine the background checks? There was a character in the movie that even said it would have became a witch hunt. Yeah. For gay people, you know, right. we're, we're not where we need to be, as we said earlier. I think we've gotten better with accepting um, the, the community. You know, but at least we're not there. That is disgusting. Yeah, yeah no, that, it's, that that it's Even if you were just suspected to be gay, they could fire you. Yeah, like, right. have absolutely no proof. Just like, eh, he kind of walks a little daintily. He's gay. Let's right. just fire him. And yeah. they could do that. So my uh, villain was the, the villainous yeah. initiative, Prop yeah, 6. Yeah, for sure. Best hero protagonist. Uh, again, on that same wavelength of where I went with, you know, uh, Dan White being the antagonist, I had to go Harvey. Um, as our hero, uh, not only being someone who kind of gets forced into this situation, uh, I mean, he was a guy who was who was not out uh, for mm-hmm. a good portion of his life, for a good 40, 45 years, yeah. like, no one even knew he was gay, he hit it, until he actually moved out to San Francisco, and then kind of became open, and then, sort of by accident, kind of became this political leader and figure, because he had the, the most enthusiastic voice for his community, Um and he, he did play a little bit of the, the political game, and that's, you know, it, unfortunately what got him killed. But again, he's he's a real human being, mm-hmm. um, and, and that goes forward into, into the heroism. And again, I, I say this every marathon, a hero is someone that gets kind of put into a position they might not be ready for, right? but they step up to the plate, and, and Harvey Milk certainly does that. Even though he's getting beat down over and over and over again and failing yeah. election after election after election, he finally fucking gets there, and he finally gets... Uh, his community, his people, uh, the rights that they felt that they deserved. So I also went with Harvey Milk. Um, and, and again, it was one of those things where I, I was going through it and I was like, man, I kind of feel like Harvey Milk's just like the only actual protagonist. Like a lot of the, a lot of the characters in these films, like you go through it, like they don't give a fuck about anybody else. You know what I mean? Like they don't give a fuck by anybody. Um, and in fact, many of them are kind of their own worst enemies in a sense. And so like, Harvey Milk is the only character who like, who cares about his community. Who cares about advancing his people. You know what I mean? Um, he wants to, you know, he wants to recruit people. He wants to, he wants to get out there and make a difference. And fuck, he does. You know what I mean? He absolutely does. So I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's the only one who's even qualified to be called a hero in this marathon. 
Yeah, I went Milk, and I went Harvey Milk as well. Um, he fought for gay rights. He became California's first openly gay elected official. Mm-hmm. He was instrumental in fighting the Prop 6 initiative. Um, he was a symbol. He was a beacon for, for the gay community. Um, if that's not a hero, I don't know what is. Right. So Harvey Milk uh, got my hero as well. So that takes us to best pride moment. We usually do best kill here, but uh, that's that really Harvey Milk. <laughs> Just that, yeah, Milk would have won outright. This would have been so like, depressing if yeah. we had had like Philadelphia. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so we went with best pride moment, and, and I guess kind of the way to describe that is like a moment that is, I don't know, gay. But I don't, that's, we talked about like maybe put, like yeah. best coming out or like right. best, you know, like just. Where, where a character takes pride in who they are, yeah, you know, right. and, and, and you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what this is about, sure. right? Um, and, and all these movies certainly have, have moments like that. Um, and, and this one, um, I went with Moonlight, and I went with uh, the hand job on the beach. And and there's a few... No, I mean, there's, there's a few no. reasons. It's, it's, that, it's that moment when... Right. when uh, God, what's his name? The character. Kevin. And Not, yeah, Kevin Sh- and... Yeah, little, but I know little and black, and I can't remember the the middle version. Sharon, Sharon, yeah. that's right. Um, where where Sharon finally like is? I mean, he's clearly like gay, and people know he is, but like he's not like out, and he hasn't really had that experience in right. life. And uh, a lot of things cultivate it, it to making this like such a, a beautiful kind of moment on film, like. Mm-hmm. It's it's shot gorgeously. You've got this look out over the ocean. You know they're under the moonlight. You know when the first act, Juan's talking about the moonlight and just being who you are yeah. when you're outside and and all that stuff kind of comes together in in this seemingly almost out of nowhere kind of moment where it's mm-hmm. just two guys sitting on the beach, With you know, jobs. smoking weed and and it really it's like it's it's a strangely very sweet innocent right. kind of moment and then they just kind of they part ways. Right, right after that. And I will say, ever since that scene, I've wanted a hand job on the beach. I'll, I'll take care of you. I have I'll wanted a hand job. For me, it was, it was, um, so there's a, there's a, a scene at the end of Carol, uh, where she's kind of in the court, it's not really a courtroom, but they're in like, they're, the, all the lawyers are like kind of deliberating and they're, they're sort of, um, deciding what's going to happen, um, with the divorce. Oh, that's a good scene. And yeah, I mean, it, the, first of all, the lawyers are trying to be like, well, you know, we've got psychologists saying, you know, and they're just kind of debating back and forth. And she's like, fuck this. You know what I mean? Like, look, 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 I'm not going to apologize for, right. for who I am. Okay. Like I couldn't make you happy in our marriage. Like whatever we failed, but we made a daughter together. Yeah. We're not bad like, people. Yeah. We're not, we're not ugly people. Harsh. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's cool. Line. Um, it's, yeah, it's a good line. Uh, but she's like, you know, she's like, as far as, the, as everything that happened with like Teresa, like, I'm not ashamed of that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie about it. Like, I, I'm going to be who I am, and like, they're going to look like I don't, I don't know what's going on in my life necessarily, but like, I want to be in my daughter's life. Yeah. And so, like, she's just, it's the, for the first time, she's being like really honest about who she is and what she wants, and to a room of people in like 1950s, or whatever, who like are totally fucking against that. You know what I mean? And um, but she's just allowing herself to be human and, and showing what she really thinks. I think that's probably the best pride moment as far as I'm concerned. Right on. Um, so, yeah, for my best pride, I took in a couple things uh, to account here where I went milk. Okay? okay. And I went with Harvey Milk um, after what? Three political campaigns, 73, 75, 76. Uh, first of all, what, how old was he when he decided to get off his ass and do something? Uh, it was like 30... Early 40s. Early 40s. Late 30, yeah. Yeah, late 30s, right? When he decided 40s, to move yeah. to San Francisco and to, to make something. Let's do something, right? Right. So he gets to San Francisco, loses three fucking political campaigns. A lot of people would quit there. 
You know, they'd just be done. He wins in 1977. Um, he, he becomes the first openly gay uh, man to be voted into a major public office and then third openly homosexual politician in the entire U.S. winning against the Proposition mm. 6 witch hunt. If that right there is, you know, something to be – that is something to be right. proud of, um, especially right. that, that phone call that he gets from um, James Franco's character. You know, um, he's right. like, man, that's – I'm proud of you. You know, mm-hmm. that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that was such a, pride, a proud moment for me where, you know, you come out. And not only, not only for himself though, but being that beacon in San right. Francisco where he's just like, everybody, just come to me. You know, come right. to me. This is this is where we need to be. Be proud of who you are, um, and and just be open. You know, right. And, and let's let's get this train moving. So I think that was the best pride moment for me in this marathon was Harvey Milk. All right, fantastic. Uh, WTF? You want to explain this one? What the fuck? Um, these are just <laughs> these are just uh, moments either in the movie or you know a factoid about the movie that literally makes you just kind of like pause for a second and go, what what the fuck did I just? <laughs> What? Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Yeah. Just a weird... Um, to me, um, what kind of fucking name is Harsh? <laughs> yeah. That's my biggest... Seriously, like, the entire time I'm watching Carol, I'm just like, who the fuck named their kid Harsh? <laughs> so, yeah. I, <laughs> oh, wow. That's I, your, straight, wow. I straight up went with... Like, that still bothers me. <laughs> Is that is harsh. that is that any runner ups or is that just no? A I'm just no, talking straight up harsh. Man. harsh. <laughs> Fuck that name. That's funny. Any runner ups? I actually for you? don't mind. No, I don't have any runners up. Um, mine was uh, in in milk. So as the as the credits are sort of rolling, it tells you like what's <laughs> happening to all these characters. Like like so Dan Smith or Dan Dan um, <laughs> White Dan White. Only went to jail for like whatever, like five, five years. Five fucking years. And and the, his lawyers were trying to get him off with like the Twinkie defense yeah. or whatever. Like I guess he was eating like a bunch of junk foods, and they was they were arguing in court that like this was affecting his like chemical like his yeah. his, his equilibrium or whatever, and that mm-hmm. caused him to kill Harvey Milk. The like Twinkie defense. The Twinkie defense. That's fucked up, yeah. man. Like is that what you had? That's as well? mine. That's my number one. <laughs> <laughs> Twinkie. Because I was like, yeah, I was like watching that, and then that comes down at the end of the movie. And I'm like. The fucking Twinkie defense. The Twinkie defense. What the fuck are we talking? Yeah, no. I immediately grabbed my phone. I was like, "What the fuck? Wait now, a second. Like, <laughs> I have. I was telling. I was telling someone. I think I was telling Ryan Smith, video and Ryan Smith. I was like, I want. A, I want like a a sequel to Milk, just called Twinkies. Right. You know, so you can watch Milk and Twinkies. Right. You know, where t- it goes over like Josh Brolin and his Twinkie <laughs> defense. <laughs> so so apparently, up. like like the Twinkie defense is just referred to like any any um sort of legalistic defense it's just completely bullshit you know what I mean like yeah. it's completely bullshit but maybe it's maybe they can accept it under the right circumstance you know what I mean no, like that just, does not make sense yeah. five years though for killing milk and the mayor of San Francisco that's, yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah, amazing yeah, he commits yeah. suicide later yeah. but wow yeah like like you know for a fact he shot two fucking politicians yeah. five so that, years that was my number one as well I do have a couple runner ups though okay the <laughs> whole fucking uh, plot of Hedwig. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like, I love how the sergeant comes in and the sergeant comes, uh, you guys all kind of hit on this briefly, but the sergeant comes in and it's like, you know, um, I'll take you out of East Berlin. Okay, right. shit's, shit's bad here. I'll take you out, but we have to be married, but marriage is between a man and a woman. They get a sex change. Sex change gets fucked up and then they go to where? I forget, Kansas or something. Some shit, yeah. And then a year later, he fucking leaves her or leaves yeah. Hedwig. And that same that same date, I think, is when the Berlin Wall falls. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. which that sacrifice was for nothing. If you if Hedwig would have just waited for one year, right. 
could have just, you know, bypassed all that bullshit. I was like, man, what the fuck? And then uh, what was that? Tommy, you know, just touches yeah. the inch and just fucking leaves her. You know, yeah. so it's all of that was just like, man, what the fuck for me? Um, and then another one, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but Gods and Monsters. Okay. The very end of Gods and Monsters where James Well is floating in the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, Brendan Fraser's character runs out and he dives in the, the wrong end of the pool, I think. Okay, okay, to go get James Well, because James Well is all the way fucking down here. Right. And you don't know this guy could be drowning, he could just fell in, maybe maybe you could still do what you need to do to, you know, revive him. It's the longest fucking swim to a floating <laughs> body I've ever seen. I'm like, just just walk around right. and then get in the pool and grab him out. I was just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> just all that work for nothing. And then another one was really wasn't anything really negative. It wasn't it was it made me think what the fuck. It was uh, when Milk, this this kid calls Milk on the phone. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I'm being oppressed. You know, I don't feel like I can, you know, um, I can I can really come out. And he's like, you know what? Be be who you want to be. Get your shit, okay? And and come to San Francisco. Okay, come to San Francisco. And he goes, I can't walk. I can't walk. His, his line, he goes, oh, shit. Yeah. He just says, oh, he says, he says, oh, shit. <laughs> I just, I, I thought that was like the funniest. And then another what the fuck was just milk going after young, creepy men. You know, yeah. I just, I don't know if that's how he really was, but I don't care what sex you are, you know. Um, I don't care, you know, what your your preference is. You going after that that young of, of kids. Like, what's his name? Um, that Rogue One guy. Jack? <laughs> no, not even him. Um, the, the kid that he stops him because he's, he's going off with, like, three other guys. Um, oh. Uh, what's that actor's Cleve. name? Cleve. Yeah, it's, uh, Cleve Johnson. Emile Hirsch. Yeah, Emile Hirsch. Like, he looks fucking young, man. Yeah. <laughs> And he just stops so him. He's like eighteen in the movie. Eighteen, yeah. yeah. There's like there's some 40, really just five year old man. Yeah, real creepy, real creepy. So, uh, but those are some of my runner ups right there. But uh, yeah, my number one was the Twinkie Defense for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's get into best score or soundtrack. Uh, Hedwig. I mean, there, there's not another option to me. I've been listening to the soundtrack really? nonstop. Um, beautiful songs like Origins of Love and and then the the title track, uh, you know, Angry Inch. Uh, it's really it really fits the movie fantastically, and it's cool that sometimes you get uh, two versions of the song because you get yep. Hedwig's version and, and you get Tommy Nose's yeah. version. Um, they even have that scene in the limo where they're listening to the song and like, hey, you change the fucking you lyric. Fuck the lyrics like, up, you fuck yeah. that lyric up, and like it changes the whole point of the song when you change right. that one word. And um, yeah, and I really I, I enjoyed the songs. They all had like. Similar, but, you know, very unique and different sort of sounds. Uh, and I, I really love the music in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I don't own a lot of soundtracks. You know what I mean? I own, like, the Velvet Goldmine soundtrack. <laughs> I own uh, the Hedwig soundtrack. And that's about it. <laughs> so, like, honestly, like, the only answer here is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. If, you, if this isn't your answer, then you're an asshole who's trying not to give Hedwig. <laughs> oh, no, no, like, that's not the case. I could have... <laughs> I'll, I'll explain after yours. Hey, go ahead. Yeah, I could have <laughs> easily went um, five-way fucking tie here. What? No, no, I could have. I could have. Like, you look at Carol and you look at um, Moonlight. Both of them are very minimalist. You know, um, they complement the movie, the cinematography, the screenplay, um, especially the... Uh, I went Carol, by the way. Um, what? I went, yeah. Carol Carter Burwell, um, very minimalist score, complements the movie, 50 songs and 50 score. Um, Todd Haynes put like 79 songs together from that era, handed it out to his actors and, and, and actresses. Um, just a great, have you listened to that? Did you listen to the Carol score at all, like, like while you're doing awards or anything? Like I did, I, every time I do my awards, I listen to every soundtrack while mm-hmm. I'm doing my awards, just so I, yeah. I, all 20 awards, I'm listening to the soundtracks. 
Carol is very consistent. So is Moonlight, though. Moonlight and Carol are perfect. Um, but then uh, Tangerine, as well, is very experimental. But there's I really, a, there, I really liked Tangerine. One, You're like, going to get over Hedwig and the Angry Inch. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I like Hedwig. unreal. No, dude. Like, <laughs> like, tell that to Carter Burwell, man, who's doing uh, probably some of the best work. I was looking at a bunch of other Carter Burwell scores. And like I said, just beautiful, especially the opening um, sequence. Um, for for Carol was was beautiful. I thought really fit that movie for 1950s as well. And then the 50 songs scattered throughout. I, I thought it was perfect, very fitting. Um, but then the Milk songs and the score from by Del- Danny Elfman. That was a perfect marriage. And Danny Elfman, you can really tell. Usually, I thought Danny Elfman was a pretty good fit for Milk. Um, so all these soundtracks I really did enjoy. Um, but uh, for if I had to pick one, because for the longest time I had Carol and Moonlight going side by side. So you said it was a five way tie. What's the one that you don't agree with? Uh, what would be the other one? I have uh, let's Gods see, and Milk. Monsters. Yeah, Gods and Monsters. Yeah, that I, I don't even remember Gods and Monsters yeah, score. I don't remember any. It was it was pretty droll. Yeah, but um, if you if you think that strongly about Hedwig, I would suggest anybody listening to this to go pop in the you know the the Oscar nominated scores of Moonlight and and Carol. Beautiful, beautiful works of art. I think. I'm gonna say uh, there's a scene in Tangerine where the music is fucking awesome. It's when oh, yeah. it's uh, it's very experimental. When, yeah, when yeah. Cinderella is like. Trying to go to the bus stop, getting like away from her problems, and it's like this—it's this this slow like orchestral music that's really nice, and it slowly morphs into a hip hop song as she's starting to get more and more pissed off. She's like, and she finally fucking (laughs) snaps, and then it becomes like this whole fucking hip hop. I fucking loved that moment in music. Like, if it didn't, if Hedwig didn't win it, it would have went to Tangerine just for that moment alone for me. Right on, and that takes us to best quote. Whoo, um, you know, it's it's a very simple line. And it's repeated a few times in the movie, but it's, my name is Harvey Milk, and yeah. I'm here to recruit you. Mm. There's so I about that it's one. it's it's one line, but he's it's said five six times in this right, fucking movie, yeah. and each time it has a, a completely different impactful sort of way it's said, like, and it really is like this this rallying cry of like I I'm trying to bring this fucking community together. Mm-hmm. I I I'm not here to make you go vote. I'm here to fucking recruit you. Yeah, you are right. becoming a part of an army. Right. You are becoming a part of a force that is going to bring down a force that is trying to bring us down. And, 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 and honestly, not always in a good way. I mean, like, <clears throat> Harvey Milk, in a lot of in a lot of ways, like almost kind of weaponizes homosexuality. He does. Like he's yeah. like he's like he's telling people like, hey, they vote for us like five to one if they just know one person that's fucking gay. So call everybody you fucking know and come out of the closet. Like that's fucking yeah. scary. Go man. call like, your father and go call out. your fucking dad and tell him you're gay. And he's like, fuck. No. <laughs> like here, use my here, use my fucking my phone. phone. Yeah. You call you call your dad. You know. And uh, yeah, man. That's yeah, cool. That's my. That's my. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that that's a great one. Um, mine was, uh, you know, our apartment was so small that my mother made me play in the oven. Late at night, I would listen to the voices of the American masters, Tony Tennille, Debbie Boone, Ann Murray, who was actually a Canadian, working in the American idiom. And then there were the, the crypto homo rockers, Lou Reed, Iggy Pop, David Bowie, who was actually an idiom working in the America, in America and Canada. These artists... They left as deep an impression on me as that oven rack did on my face. It's from Hedvig, right? Um, that's that's like probably the line that I connect with the most out of out of, out of any of them. You know what I mean? Like, um, because I feel like that that was kind of my childhood as well. You know what I mean? Like just listening to the radio and like, you know, getting into like rock and roll and like like being really influenced by all these people. 
Um, it, so it's no, it's no, it's no surprise. You know what I mean? Like when you look at films that I like, like Velvet Goldmine, like Heavy the Angry Inch. I mean, music is so important to me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That style of music is important to me, and it bleeds into everything else that's in my life. And uh, that's why Hedvig, I've advocated really strongly. I'm not going to give every fucking award to Hedvig, yeah, yeah. guys, but <laughs> right. like, uh, it's really important to me, man. And that's the line that I think I identify with the most out of everything. And I think that's why you you are so um, willing to give your award for like best soundtrack. But if you have like a a, yeah, a, yeah. a composer who's out there and doesn't really right. like that kind of music, but he likes you know the the consistency, the minimalist mm-hmm. score, right, but right. that moves a movie along, I think Carolyn Moonlight has that. I'm not, yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm not saying they're. I'm not saying they're bad at all. I enjoyed them. Hedvig, Hedvig blows shit out of the water as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? But everyone's different. I, yeah, I yeah. get that. Mm-hmm. Um, best quote, I went... Um, so I did go Milk, and I went Harvey Milk, but before I give you my, my, my main quote, I'm going to give you a couple runner-ups, which is all Harvey Milk. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, runner, one runner-up. a lot up. of great, like, yeah, yeah. funny little... I, I thought about the one that you said... Um, my one of my runner-ups is Harvey Milk. All men are created equal. No matter how hard you try, you can never erase those words. Mm-hmm. Really like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then I like the conversation between Dan White and Harvey Milk. Dan White says society can't exist without the family. Harvey Milk says we're not against that. Dan White says uh, can two men reproduce? And Harvey Milk <laughs> goes no, but God knows we keep trying. We keep trying. <laughs> we keep trying. But the one that uh, just nailed it for me, and I knew it was going to be my best quote, uh, I think Milk was the first or second movie that I watched. I, I was like, wow, if, if it's going to be hard for something to beat it. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, the last lines of Harvey Milk. And he says, I ask this. If there should be an assassination, yeah. I would hope that 5, 10, 100, 1,000 would rise. I would like to see every gay lawyer, every gay um, architect come out. If a bullet should enter my brain, let that bullet destroy every closet door. Right. And that's all. I ask for the moment. I ask for the movement to continue because it's not about personal gain, um, not about ego, not about power. It's about the us's out there. Not only gays, but the blacks, the Asians, the disabled, the seniors, the us's. Without hope, the us's give up. I know you cannot live on hope alone, but without it, life is not worth living. So you and you and you, you got to give them hope. You got to give them hope. Right. I think that is an awesome quote. Yeah. So that takes us to best screenplay. Uh, I I. Keeping in line with with milk, um, being something that's a, a true story is always kind of hard to do in movies sometimes because you do have to take liberties and be a little fantastical. Um, but milk hits this really beautiful stride between being this like you know pro gay film and this political sort of mm-hmm. uh, not thriller but uh, propaganda ish type movie. Right. Um, and you're 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 getting so many different characters that enter and leave this movie at rapid fire, but they're all incredibly important, and they all have a, an impact in in the scenes that they have. Even people that you just see in the background here and there that don't have a whole lot of lines or a whole lot to do, they're still incredibly important to this story. Um, just the, the the script is really solid. Uh, we you and I both chose quotes from it, um, and, and quotes are a big part. To a script, uh, a lot of a lot of quotable stuff, a lot of just uh, meaty parts in here for people to play, and and I think the script really shows that. So I went with Milk. I, went with, I, I don't disagree with you. I went with Moonlight though. I think okay. Moonlight's a great. That was, that was a close play, one, man. man. It was a close one. Um, I love the way the story is told. That's it, I love it, and I and I don't like it at the same time. Just because I feel like a lot of the the characters that I really like, like the way that it's split up into like first, second, and third act is really unique but I also it also takes away from me because like there'll be 
I want to know more about like this time in the, in this yeah. person's life. Like I want to know more about Juan. I want to see more about this. I want to have more of. I want to have more time with like Kevin and Black when they're older. You know, um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's a really unique screenplay. And it's you know just looking at like three stages of this guy's life, played by three different actors who like I swear they're the same fucking. You know what I mean? I swear yeah. those that's the yeah. same fucking guy, just older. Um, yeah, I man, fucking Moonlight's a great screenplay. I went with uh, Moonlight, Barry Jenkins as well. Um, yeah, just that story of an African American gay man mm-hmm. growing up in Miami, and the in the in the three chapters, you know, that divide it. Not too many people can do that and get that right too, but right. I think it flows well. You know, that could be handled by director, but the screenplay, that originality there, that story that they're telling is, I've never seen anything like that. You know, yeah. I think it's 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 a it's a very rare story you know, for the gay community. And uh, talking about last year, it might have made Moonlight almost made my top 10. It didn't make my top 10. Could have made top 11, top 12. It was in consideration. But with that said, the screenplay, though, mm-hmm. screenplay is top five screenplays of last year. I, I am blown away with just the originality um, of Moonlight. That was fantastic. I did, want, however, want I, that's what I went with, Moonlight, uh, Barry Jenkins. But Tangerine, I want to give mm-hmm. some love to that because I think a lot of these movies fall into some of the LGBT kind of like cliches. A lot of oppression in this too. And there that there's a lot of oppression, you know, when you're right. talking about the gay community, especially in the times that they're portraying. But with Tangerine, it was a it was just a breath of fresh air to watch a movie that there's one oppression scene really at the end where she gets kind of urine thrown in her face. Mm-hmm. But for the mm-hmm. most part it's a it's a day in the life. It's a relationship right. drama, a little bit of comedy. Um, but I felt like I really learned something by watching Tangerine, you know? Absolutely. And that's, I think that was powerful and it, especially kind of being an old fashioned comedy. Like you could, you could imagine this being filmed oh, in the fifties, yeah. but just sure. adding transgender and, and things like that. So for what this movie is, you know, a very low budget movie, I think the screenplay being a very experimental, experimental movie, I think, uh, I need to give a little bit of credit to Tangerine, but with that said, Moonlight is fucking yeah. phenomenal. Well, so as far as Tangerine goes, right? Like I, I mean, when, when we finished it. I remember Rachel was looking at me and she was like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, like, so I just, it was like, I, she's like, I liked it. But she's like, I don't, I don't know, like, what's the takeaway? You know what I mean? And I was like, I don't, you know, I was like, I don't know. Really day sure. in the life. Yeah. So the next day, I mean, like, I sat in it the whole next day and it I, sits the, more, with I, the you, more I thought about it, I was like, man, that was actually a really fucking good movie. Yeah. This was the third I, time I've watched Tangerine. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was really, it was really good, man. I, 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 the more it sits with you, the more I, the more I honestly just want to go back and watch it again. Yeah. I, I love just that slice of. It's like this is just a day in these characters' lives, yeah. and it you know it, it doesn't seem like it would translate well into a movie because there's not really like an antagonist. There's not really like it's not even really like a plot. You know what I mean? Like it's just kind of like this is just some shit that happened that day. Yeah. And but yeah, it's it's great, especially man. with like you it's, look at movies like Milk and you went Milk best screenplay, right. and rightfully so. I think Milk was yeah, Milk, is a, Milk, is, Milk is a really great movie. But a lot of these movies, you take them all and you kind of compile them. And I get those cliches, not even just with gay movies, but you look at just normal biopics. Mm-hmm. Pick Walk the Line, pick Ali, pick Ray. You know, there's there's that fine balance. Did it do anything special, you know? And for me, I mean, like like I said, Tangerine really just, it, it, it does something a little bit different. Well, I think when you look at... Like, but it so does it well. When we, when we go back to the, the John Wayne Marathon, I think a lot of what we liked about uh, Liberty Valance was that it was... If you look at all of them together, like, that was the one that was different. You know what I mean? And so, like, it, it really stands out next to all the other ones. That's so I think Tangerine's a lot like that. You know, it, it's it's just it's just different. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. So that takes us to best cinematography. Uh, I would say here, 
any any of these movies. Oh yeah, could uh, yeah. have could have walked away with this because these are some fucking well shot movies. Like I was so say close. Four. four. I I would say five. You say I, five. You know, I would I, say five. As much yeah. as I love Hedwig, it's not the best shot yeah. movie. I say Hedwig when you're starring and in a movie and directing it. You, yeah. you know, directing well, kind of. I don't think Hedwig and Gods looked as good as like the, I really the other liked four. the way Gods looked. I really, really did. You really? I, I did. Yeah, I thought it looked boring. It looked like a looked like nineties to me. You know, and that, sometimes that works. And I'm not it saying was, all nineties. Yeah. I know, <laughs> but you you put it up next to like say if I'm making a movie tomorrow, sure. And I can use Gus Van Sant's DP, or I can use Barry Jenkins DP, Todd Haynes DP. My God, after watching uh, Carol, you know the thing that I walked away from Carol that I can't get out of my head is I want to take Todd Haynes now, and I want to take his DP, and I want to go make a fucking psychological thriller set in the 1950s Manhattan. <laughs> Use that you know? 16 millimeter. Fuck yeah. yeah! I thought it looked great. It was yeah, so super like, grainy. And... <laughs> um, I was I was really close to going Tangerine with this just because it's so impressive to film an entire movie on an iPhone like. Yeah. You know, the, the director is the cinematographer. He's putting all this mm-hmm. shit together. And there are some really fucking gorgeous yeah, shots in Tangerine. Yeah. There's also some shaky shit here yeah, yeah. and there. But you almost kind of excuse it because you're right. like, yeah, they're filming this on a fucking iPhone. Yeah. Um, I, I went with Moonlight. And and it comes down to... Oh, again, that's horseshit. <laughs> it, comes, it comes down. Um, it, the, 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 the most incredibly shot scene in all these movies is that beach scene. Um, it's so important to the movie. It's so important to the character of Sharon, Little Black, like all of them kind of converging into that moment. That's, you know, Juan, even though he's been dead, like his presence comes out again in, in this moment of awakening. And it's that, that beauty of you're just seeing the light from the moon hit the ocean. You're just seeing these like, you know, you're not actually seeing a hand job take place. You're not hearing the sounds of it. You're not, <laughs> no, but really, but you know what... You that know was without ruin if it was like... <laughs> that was like the same scene, but you hear this like. <laughs> yeah, that that would have killed it. I, I almost exactly. want to do. A, I almost want to do verses now between Brokeback and Moonlight, so I can just say the fuck in the tent or the right. hand job on the beach. <laughs> uh, I mean that that scene is so so kind of just personal, and it's. It's tight. It's almost kind of claustrophobic, but open at the same... Like, yeah. when it pulls back and you can see that whole ocean, like, the whole fucking world is ahead of you. But it pulls in cl- close and tight a lot of times where it's like, this is, like, the most personal moment I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Um, that And that, that, that alone is so fucking gorgeous. And there's other really well shot scenes there's the the scene after sharon goes to the bathroom after he got his ass kicked at school and it's just that like yeah. harsh gross yellow lighting yeah. in a bathroom when he's just staring at his blade face in the mirror like oh there's that there's that shot where like his mom's yelling at him and there's like this purple light coming out of her room and uh-huh. everything else is like green and like fuck that's a yeah. gorgeous shot absolutely beautiful um i also really liked um the just the diner scene you know what mm-hmm. i mean it's right yeah. so i really like so kevin goes back and, like, it's only, like, a minute of film, but, like, the sound is kind of... Cause there's, like, the score comes up. There's really no sound into what he's doing. And they, they, it's really almost, like, slow motion where he's cooking. And it's, like... It, well, he's cooking, all right. Oh, no, so... <laughs> so he's he's cooking and he's, he's putting together... He's putting together this meal for Black. And, like, I love that it's, like, in slow motion. Because it's, like, it's like their lives have kind of stopped. Their lives have slowed down. You know what I mean? And that's... I don't know, man. I, I really like that scene and the cinematography in that scene. Um, I went with Tangerine, though. Yeah. Uh, I just can't get over that, like... <clears throat> not, not only is it impressive that they did it with three iPhones, but 
the fact that it's done on iPhones actually like plays well into what's going on. It, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be it's supposed to be gritty and it's supposed to be kind of shaky and it's supposed to be because you're you're just following these. It almost it has this reality show type feel to it. Um, man, Tangerines for for what it is. Yeah. Even even I mean, for what it is, it's gorgeous. But even beyond that, it's just great. It's yeah. just good. And yeah, like the director is also cinematographer and stuff like that. Like that's it's really impressive. I will, I will say though, we already talked we already talked about it, like with Carol the sixteen millimeter film and how it looks all grainy oh and like that's gorgeous like that really fucking looks good man. So so earlier this year you know you showed me um, you nominated Velvet Goldmine yeah and I kind of you know from from my opinion and my write up I did not like, yeah, yeah, yeah did not like it I thought it was a mess you know Todd Haynes as a director I was like fuck this guy. Carol, man, um, the look of this movie, I know he has a DP making this look good, okay? But, man, this movie was legit. Like, it, it had, a, it had a, a good flow to it. But cinematography-wise, man, Super 16, we've talked about like yeah. that a couple times now. Um, given that, uh, using that, that 16 gave it like a, a photogenic, like 1950s, yeah. 1940s, 1950s look to it that I'm in love with the look of Carol. I thought it was amazing. Didn't go there, okay? But I just wanted to give some love to yeah. Carol real quick. Um and did you notice like all the window shots, reflection <clears throat> shots? There's there's shots in cars. There's shots and mm-hmm. you know like uh, through the mirrors. And I mean it's just the way that they they're, they're just breaking down everything. Staging, color, really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tangerine, Tangerine. Yeah. I haven't been inspired since mm-hmm. I watched this movie two years ago. To think that they did this with three iPhones. All right, three iPhones. They had a cheap app that any of us can get to control right. color. Mm-hmm. You know, color temperature. Um, I think it's Filmic App Pro or something like that. You can get it right now on your iPhone, okay? Three iPhones, um, different lenses that you can go pick up right now at Best Buy. Right. All right? We actually did an episode on this after we watched it about the lenses that you could get for your iPhones, uh, Seth and I. And then just to think that uh, yeah, th- this movie just that – it's independent filmmaking at its finest. Right. You know, uh, I can't get over – if you, it makes me want to go out and do a movie – a short. Why can't we? Right. If if Tangerine can do this, why are we sitting on our ass not just going out making a, a seven minute short? There's there's seven minute like five minute film festivals all over the fucking world. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have an iPhone. It was something that I love, and this is you know, we built adventures before Tangerine. But everything that we do surprises a lot of people when I tell them. Like we could have laptops, apples. It's even on our about page. If you go to my about page or our about page on Adventures in Video Land, you look on there. It says that we do everything on our iPhone. Right. I've I've looked everywhere to to do the best I can with what's in our pocket. Right. And I look at you know Adventures like like as like Tangerine, where it's like, dude, if you have a voice and you want to create a podcast, I don't care if it's sports or what the fuck you're doing, do it. Yeah. Fucking make it happen. And Tangerine, they do that, man. Three iPhones. Um, yeah. There's movies here. Milk, Moonlight. Carol, phenomenal. If I can work with the DP on there and make my dream movie in San Francisco, fuck yeah, right? But just the the inspiring, man. They they inspired me with the cinematography, and that's why it gets my work. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think if you gave Tangerine a big budget that it would have improved this movie. No, I, I, think, no, I, I think it probably would have lessened it. No, I think right. so. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the filming the way it did certainly enhanced the film. Yep. That's why it was, it was close for me. What do we got next here? Best Supporting Actress. Yep. Not not a huge amount of actresses uh, again. Uh, we run into that problem quite often, but uh, there were some really good performances. Um, I almost went, you know, Maya Taylor and Tangerine was really fantastic. Um, and, and, 
I, I just had to go Rooney Mara as Therese uh, Bellavet from Carol. Um, just, uh, I, I really like Rooney Mara, just in general. <laughs> but uh, she's she's got this great, like, quality to her in this film where she's she's the confused character. Right. I mean, even Carol is confused, but a little more, like, confidently confused. Right. That terminology made any she- sense. <laughs> um and there is this like beautiful sort of like innocence to her, even though like right. deep down she's she's not wanting to to be that all American girl kind of mm-hmm. vibe. Um, n- nothing that like blew me away in this movie, but none of the perf- really supporting actress roles blew me away. So this one just kind of kind of edged out uh, Maya Taylor and Tangerine for me. Did you know? Uh, did you hear about all the controversy between Rooney Mara during campaign time? Mm. She has, I think it's six, or so Kate Blanchett has six minutes less screen time than Rooney Mara. So they were trying to figure out who gets supporting, who gets best actress. Okay, so it really fucked with them. And it kind of fucked with me too doing this because yeah. I was like, who's the lead? I mean, yeah, look, I think Kate Blanchett's the lead, but even a lot of people that were, were nominated or doing the awards, they were, they ran into that same problem. Like, man, who do I put here? I think um, Mara, uh, Rooney Mara is 60% of this film and 50, 54% is Kate Blanchett. Hmm. So she actually did a little bit more heavy lifting in this than mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett. So who do you give the best actor to? Who's the lead? Um, and that, that confused me a little bit on my my choices. I, I would have went Kate Blanchett hands down. If I had put her at supporting, she yeah, would have yeah. won oh, hands down. Yeah. It would have been yeah, close. That, and that's what um, hurt Rooney Mara, though. They didn't know where to put her hmm. for, for supporting okay. or for lead. So yeah. interesting side note. Yeah. I went with Maya Taylor. Um, and it, it's kind of weird because, like, in a sense, I feel like she's almost not acting. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's hard to tell if she is acting or if she's just kind of being herself. You know what yeah. I mean? In a so I mean I don't know, but even even if but she is, is, is Harrison Ford acting or is that just himself? You know? Like, no, no, I, I know. Yeah. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Though. That, that's what. That, yeah, yeah. It could be awesome. with I Harrison mean, Ford, he's had such a career. You know when he's not acting. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. So and then it comes but, out. But yeah, with my Taylor, this is the first appearance. Even so. even if she is. Just kind of being herself, like it fucking works, man. Yeah. Like she's she's a really great character. Like I, the fact that I think she is she's not really an actress. You know what I mean? Like is right. blows my fucking mind because everyone in the, everyone in this, whether they're a professionally trained actor or like a sex worker that they met in L.A. Yeah. is wonderful. Like just really like blows my fucking shit away, man. So yeah, Maya Taylor for me. Yeah, I went Maya Taylor as well um, for Tangerine. She's she's the real deal. No acting classes. You know, came out of you know. I think she had a couple acting classes. She's not an actress, right? You know, per se. Um, but uh, yeah, she she killed it. She um, shattered casting conventions for me. I've been talking a lot lately about you know DCEU, MCU, um, Star Wars. I think the it's it's the time is closing for A listers. Mm-hmm. Like you know, um, again, bringing yeah. up Dark Universe, Dark Universe. You got Johnny Depp, Javier Bardem. You got fucking Tom Cruise. I don't think you need them. You look at fucking Black Panther. Who's the guy who plays Black Panther? Um, Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman. You, know, you just got to get the person that fits the role. You know, right. like no one gives a fuck about Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt showing up in a Marvel movie. Right. They want the 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 brand is selling it, not the actors anymore. Right. Back in the days, eighties, nineties, you had to have Interview with the Vampire. You had to. Have, I'm, a, I'm a Tom right, Cruise right, fan. Right. I'm a Brad Pitt fan. But you needed those guys to sell your movie. Now. You know, if you have a good property, or even for Tangerine, it made more than what it did on its low budget. 
but a lot of that is because of you know um, shattering those casting you know conventions. Right. Maya Taylor knocked out of the park. Not a big A-lister, you know, just yeah. someone that came out of the the community in in L.A. And she fucking killed it. I think it's that that realism that she's just natural. She's being herself. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that that A-lister gap is closing. You just got to get the right person. And I think she was the right person for this role. So right. I went Maya Taylor as well. Fantastic. Best supporting actor. I I felt like this was one of the most rich areas for the, the acting categories. Um, How rich was it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got Brendan Fraser was fantastic in Gods and Monsters. I, I felt that's one of his best performances on screen. Uh, Michael Pitt, I loved in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we already talked about Josh Brolin, such a beautiful, understated yeah. performance in Milk. Um, but it still came down to me to Mahershala Ali. Um, with as little screen time as he ended up getting, again, that running presence throughout is phenomenal. And he does this, he, he is, like, when you see him on screen, like, you believe that he is this big, badass drug dealer that no one would fuck with. And at the same time, you also feel like he is this deeply, passion. like, passionate, caring man. Right. And well, even in the beginning, like, when he walks up to the, the dude on the street or whatever, and he's asking about his mom, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. feel like he's not just making conversation, like, he actually fucking wants to know yeah. his mom okay. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, and there's a reason he won Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars last year. Um, and it's it's because he fucking carries this movie even in scenes that he's not in. Mm-hmm. He's 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 the acting weight in this entire film. I did really like him. I feel I don't feel bad for not picking him. Um, but you get like thirty minutes of screen time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the only thing that really detracted. You gave to Brando and Apocalypse Now. <laughs> yeah. Not to say Brando's there in to, every to, scene, which should though, be like, Pantheon, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah. So let's turn that around. Fuck you. Um, now I gotta uh, fucking nominate that yeah. shit because now it's not fucking coming back around in a war fucking movie. I'm gonna do a goddamn hitman marathon. <laughs> <laughs> I went with uh, Karen Karuglin, who played uh, Rajmik in Tangerine. Tangerine. Cool. Uh, man, what a complicated character. Yeah. Right? Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he is. Uh, <laughs> I really. It's hard for me to watch films now and not, like, I just because I have a family and I have kids, you know what I mean? And just to think, like, like man, like, this dude's going out, he's got a beautiful wife and kids and a family yeah. at his home, and he's going off and, like, like he's 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 going out in the middle of the night and like and like sucking off a fucking a fucking tranny in a in a car wash, and then going I mean? home like, and eating Christmas dinner, and then going home, yeah, and like <laughs> and like, but but I don't think he's a bad guy. You know what I mean? He's just no. people are fucking complicated. Yeah, you know, yeah. people are fucking complicated, and that's just the way it is, man. Like. Um, he's cracking me I, up though, though. He's so yeah, yeah. funny, dude. That was the first like half hour of this movie. Like, you have no idea what his character is. No, have, no, I know. Like, it's like, like where the you fuck just keep is this cutting thing? into this cab and like <laughs> meeting all these fucking weird characters, like the the big shit Thompson, like fucking yeah, yeah. like old man who's in the back of his cab. And you're like, it's fucking cool, Who's Gallagher, baby. Like, yeah. like, what is going on? <laughs> right. And then, and then you finally get to open up when he like picks up the. The, the female prostitute and doesn't right. realize it's a woman. Right, right, right. Fucking like, get the living. fuck out of here. Like, you don't walk on that street ever again. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> um, no, I just thought that he was a very, like, human character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he just... He just strikes me as a very flawed, complicated person, and he pulls it off in a way that, you know, doesn't seem weird. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems natural. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like it... That's what's so great about it. This film seems so authentic and I think that's what he brings to it as well. 
Yeah, I'm going Moonlight, Mahershala, Ali. Mm. Uh, yeah, That's won, not a bad pick, man. Yeah, I he mean, won last year's Oscar, you know, like he, as you mentioned. Um, plays Juan, the drug dealer, who, you know, sh- tells Sharon that it's 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 okay to be gay, you know, create your own path in life, you know, and that, that's something really positive you can get behind. Um, but, yeah, he dominates. Just that, that short time that he's in this, he dominates this. And if you, if you think you, if you watch Moonlight and you think you recognize him, you know what else he dominates? And then after he's gone, it goes the fuck Luke downhill. <laughs> Luke Cage. He's fucking yeah. amazing in Luke Cage. Yeah. He's amazing in Moonlight. This guy is a prestige talent, man. Right. I cannot oh, wait to see. see a fuckload out of him. Oh, yeah. I can't wait yeah, to see what he does next. But, um, first Muslim actor, you know, mm-hmm. to win, you know, if, to win the Oscar. I thought he was phenomenal. Um, can't give him enough praise, um, for that, playing that father figure to Sharon. But, um, another, so that was my, my winner, but uh, I do want to give a, a shout out. Now, there's so many, as you said, this was a thick category. Yeah. This guy probably doesn't even come close, but I wanted to mention him because I'm a huge fan, and that's Clue Gallagher. Okay, so he doesn't come close like a Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. He didn't do as much work, heavy lifting, um, but he's in the back of the cab talking to the Armenian. And it's actually kind of funny if you listen to his, his conversation, it's about he's Cherokee. And how the um, his mom named the Cherokee kids, and it was about um, identity, which fits right in with this yeah. movie here. Um, but Clue Gallagher, he's um, one of my favorite uh, old school horror flicks is Return of the Living Dead, and he's one of the main players in Return of the Living Dead. Um, you, you're a Return of the Living Dead fan, right? Sure. Okay, he's the guy who owns the um, uh, not the, uh, the the morgue across the street, but he's the. Uh, what was that place where the, where the, the smoke crematorium? The, the crematorium? Yeah. No, no, not the crematorium. Oh. The the uh, the warehouse. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's okay. the boss. Gotcha. Okay, that leaves and he comes back. He's like, "Hey, man, I need I need you to take care of these these rabid weasels." Oh, that's okay. Clue Gallagher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gotcha. Clue Gallagher. Gotcha. I love Clue Gallagher. If I was making a movie tomorrow, Clue Gallagher Clue Gallagher would be in my fucking movie. <laughs> he's just fucking hilarious. And that's I actually have his autograph on the Return of the. I've actually talked yeah. to him. He's just a fucking great guy, man. Mm-hmm. So really neat that you know he just popped up for like ten five minutes in the back of a fucking cab, shoot right. some shit about fucking Cherokee Indians. Um, that takes us to Best Actress. Uh, it, it comes down to, to two. It's between Kate Blanchett and Katana Kiki Rodriguez to me, and Kate Blanchett's a fucking like one of the greatest actresses of all time. But man, that performance by Katana Holy Kiki Rodriguez shit, more than Kate Blanchett, really. Yeah, I, I, I had to man. go with it. Uh, it. Maybe there's a little bit penance in there for not going with uh, Maya uh, in the previous yeah. like supporting actress. Um, but there is such a fucking fire. Uh, and like, yeah, yeah. That, that is not a character you see on screen a whole lot. And if you do, you get like short little bursts. Yeah, you know, yeah. you get that Rosie Perez kind of yeah. character in right. the 90s. But like, you don't get a whole fucking movie of someone with that much like fire and intensity as you're getting out of Katana Kiki Rodriguez. And again, like, going back to what you guys said about my, like, not a real actress. Like, just kind of, hey, we yeah. found you on the street and we're going to put you in this movie and make the best of it. And really hits home some some hard emotional points. Like you're frightened the fuck out of her. Oh, <laughs> like oh, like if you ran across Oh she's crazy. Yeah, you ran fuck. across Cinderella yeah. Cinderella in the in the hood, you would freak the fuck out. Fuck like, yeah, I you'd would. You'd be like yeah. if I rolled up movie. on that in Indianapolis, Absolute windows going up. Yeah. Naptown boys. <laughs> <laughs> Scary individual and like um has that that beautiful moment where she's like dragging the other fucking prostitute yeah, like, yeah. around town and realizes like, oh shit, like my friend's singing like I gotta fucking right. get that yeah. and like so it's just that like that, that beautiful moment where she's just like it's it's nothing like it's not this amazing performance or anything but it's right. it's really important to to Alexander's character and like and and Cindy is like totally entranced and in, in love with it and like just there like she's yeah. so present in that moment and like 
you can't say anything fucking bad about her friend. Let's yeah. go off in the end. That's I mean that's what happens. And then just that like even more intensity and that that final fucking cultivation of everything going on. Like goddamn, what a fucking like powerhouse like yeah. highs and lows kind of performance. I mean, she's like it reminds me of like um you know like J- like Jason Mewes in, in a way just just because like it's one of those things where it's like you know. Who, who are we going to get to play this character? Like, who are we going to get to play Jay? Like, nobody yeah. can fucking play Jay but Jay. You know what yeah. I mean? And so, like, let's just per- bring him in and do it. I think I think she's similar. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get anyone to do that better than she's just going to no. do it herself. Like, um, I don't I don't disagree with you at all, but, like, Kate Blanchett also fucking kills it, man. Right, Kate yeah. Blanchett is a fucking powerhouse actress. And she Maybe does, one of the greatest actresses of all time. She, she's so like she's, good. she's so like subdued and sophisticated, and she has like yeah. really emotional moments where she's talking to Harge. You know what I mean? Like Fucking stupid <laughs> name. I mean, just that moment that we talked about before, where they were they were in the the courtroom, where you know she's like, "We're we're not ugly people, Harge," and yeah. she's like choking back like a sob and like. Fucking, you like, know what though? She came to yeah. fucking act. Yeah, man. she like, she's badass. But then you start seeing like she's been. You know, recently she's in quite a few movies, you know, and yeah, yeah. I'm starting to see all the tricks, the Kate Blanchett yeah, no, tricks, I'm, and you focus you. in on um, anybody that you want to focus on, you're gonna you're gonna see their tricks. But I'm starting to mm-hmm. really notice the Kate Blanchett tricks now. Uh, no, I got you. Yeah, but no, that's a, she, I, I she was you. phenomenal though. That's not yeah. yeah, not taking anything away from her. She was she was great. Um, yeah, I I had a problem though with it, you know, where Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett. I was, again, I was like, where do I go with? I mean, more screen time from Rooney Mara, uh, I guess after stepping away from it. For a couple weeks, I think mm. Kate Blanchett's probably the the lead, but I can I see so. why the controversy was there. You know, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. they're both doing a lot. I mean, I almost went with a tie on it, but I don't like the tie. I only, you know, if I do, it's like maybe one per you know episode when we do these. But I don't even like that. You know, I really try to stay away from ties. But fantastic, mm-hmm. great pick. Kate Blanchett was amazing. So was Rooney Mara. Um, and you know how you had a problem with Mahershala Ali, not a problem, but Mahershala Ali wasn't in that much, right? Naomi Harris was great. Not my pick she either. Is, yeah, she's great. But she's in all. She's the only consistent um, actor in Moonlight. That's she's true. in all three acts. Yeah. So she's working her ass off. I think she won Best Supporting Actress. Um, she was nominated. Was she, she nominated? nominated? I'm not for sure. Okay, uh, but yeah, Kyle, I went with a Kitana Kiki Rodriguez. Ooh, man. Um, in my notes, man, it just I put after I got done watching this. I put razor sharp. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just fucking razor sharp. Um, just her on her holy terror through LA to find her fucking man. Yeah. You know, uh, again, not a celebrated actress. You know, I think she's had a, a couple classes in, in, in LA, but man, so natural, so convincing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you talk like, you know, you have someone like Kate Blanchett comes in, does her thing, but then you see a rare performance like this is fucking razor sharp and just full of fire and venom. Like she has something to prove. Yeah. You know, I was I was blown away by her and with uh, with Maya. I thought they did yeah. great. So. Well, just how like, I mean, when the I can't remember the other prostitute's name, the girl, uh, the girl that she drags around. Oh, yeah. But when when she's explaining like you know you know me getting dragged all over this fucking town, or whatever, isn't as fucking pathetic as you thinking you're Chester's fucking real girlfriend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and you can tell like she's like devastated you know what i mean like she's like there's this barely controlled like rage Mm -hmm. but she's still like she's hurt and like that's that's fucking good like that's really impressive man i've been in prison for this long and like i expect to come out my life be the same and it's not right it's completely different 
Well, that takes us to best actor. Should we just all throw it down at once, or uh, we might same? not have the same thing? Mm, I mean, interesting. There's some really fucking great performances from from actors in these movies too. Um, I really like what John Cameron Mitchell did with Hedwig as John Cameron Mitchell was great, man. He was fantastic. Um, and and Ian McKellen. I mean, when is Ian McKellen ever a fucking bad performance? No, no, I I know, but like just like just like you were saying with Kate Blanchett, like I feel like I'm watching Ian McKellen. Yeah, about, sure. about half that fucking movie. Sure. I, I think Ian McKellen being Ian McKellen. Like, I think everything in Gods and Monsters could probably be done better today. I think if you redid it today, it would be fucking sick. Sick, oh, like absolutely. sick. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, in Moonlight, it's kind of hard because you got three characters, three people playing the same character. I know. So like, it's like, so you know, I know. I wanted to get all the suspense here. now. Who are you going with? It's Sean Penn. Okay. It's Sean. It's Sean, <laughs> Sean, Penn. Sean Penn. Like, let's not. Um, Sean Penn for you too. Okay. He plays it's obviously Sean Penn. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you're going with a, a, a biopic, um, which is always you know sort of difficult to to really pin down a character, and you know he doesn't exactly look like Harvey Milk look, but. Pretty decent, pretty yeah, decent. He has and a like, good job. His voice is very fantastic. His mannerisms, to his mannerisms. Yeah. Like Sean Penn doesn't play. You don't. You don't. As as we said, like Ian McKellen. You're seeing Ian McKellen. Right, exactly. You're seeing Kate Blanchett. You're not seeing Sean Penn when you're watching. Yeah, this I movie. agree. You're absolutely not. You're like he's never played anything like this. Um, and and it, this came that the year after Brokeback Mountain, where mm-hmm. people said, you know, maybe it got the shaft because it was a little too gay heavy. So and then this comes along, and you know, and then Sean Penn wins Best Actor, and, right. and I, yeah, well absolutely. fucking deserved. Um, he's such a lightning rod in this movie. He he delivers those like really poignant, powerful lines. Uh, you know, mine was you know. I'm, my name's Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. It's very, like, simple, but he, he delivers it with such a fucking rage. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got the funny lines, like the, you know, you know we can't reproduce, but we're, yeah. we're out there trying, yeah. you know, and he's charming. He's very yeah. fucking you know, charming. You know, and I went the same way, so I'm supporting you on this, but as uh, a negative, um, you guys ever watch I Am Sam? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I Am Sam, to quote, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder going full retard. Full I think retard. there's moments here where he's going full comedy gay, like to not Harvey Milk. Mm-hmm. He's going full Sean Penn gay. You know, okay. like if that makes yeah. sense. Like I think he's he's really stretching out there, and sometimes it becomes almost a um, almost just like a, a character. You know, of, yeah, of yeah. Harvey Milk. But, but with that said, that, he is that Harvey Milk's very you know, reading, like reading up on Harvey Milk, like that was kind of him. He was a very like flamboyant gay yeah. person. So I it wasn't like a lot of it wasn't so it, much so. playing a stereotype as it was him playing Harvey Milk. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'd have to see I more. see what I, both I, of yeah. you were saying, but yeah, yeah I, Harvey Milk, as but, far as I know, and I'm not an expert, but he's fairly animated, and you know um, what I mean, like. But oh, that's who I give it to as well. I mean, so he he yeah. almost went there a couple times where I'm like, um, this is getting very. Like you know, uh, you could you could make fun of this, you know. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, he pulls it off. And looking um, at some other people who wanted the role uh, of Harvey Milkman, there was Richard Gere, Daniel Day Lewis, Robin Williams, Al Pacino, James Woods. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are some fine actors. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, I don't think I could see anybody else playing Harvey Milk. I think Sean Penn. I mean, put the, that face, and you know what Richard Gere does. You know what Daniel Day Lewis right. does. You know and. Some of those might have given some good performances. James Woods would have looked almost damn near exactly <laughs> like yeah. Harvey Milk. But I don't know if he could like, bring that animation. He wouldn't have you know? been able to no. bring that character. No. Yeah, so I think uh, it was a great choice, you know, when you look at uh, what Sean Sean Penn brought to Milk. And, and you're doing this in a movie. You're surrounded by a lot of fucking great actors. You know, mm-hmm. Emile Hirsch and James Franco yeah. and Josh Brolin, Allison Pill. Yeah. Like, some really fucking good actors and actresses in this movie, and he's he's carrying everyone. It's, yeah. yeah. Top, top notch. 
All right, and that takes us to best scene. Um, the best scene to me um, goes back to my cinematography. It's that, that hand job on the beach. It's, I, I mean, I've said it enough. It's such, it's so gorgeously shot. It's so important to that movie. It's, you know, smack dab right in the middle of this movie. It connects that first half and that second half where you're, you're connecting, uh, you know, Juan's importance to Sharon's life. And you're connecting to where Kevin and Black are going to be towards the end of the movie. You know, this muddled sort of do we do we love each other do we not where, where do we stand kind of thing so gorgeously shot so important to Sharon as a character so important to just you know gay pride important to to gaze of color like that scene is is absolutely phenomenal also with moonlight man um but it was again it's that it's that diner scene in the third act um i think anytime in Moonlight, when somebody is like eating, they're like taking care. You know, they, it's like it's a nurturing kind of thing. Like where mm-hmm. where you, you know when uh, when Juan and his girlfriend are like feeding uh, little, you know what I mean. Like at the, at the end, it's Kevin is feeding Black, and like it's a it's an intimate kind of moment. You know what I mean. Like when you're cooking for someone in general, I think it's a kind of an intimate thing. You're sharing something special with them. Um, if you go back and watch the scene where, where what we talked about a little bit before with cinematography, where Kevin goes back, it not to say it's like sensual, but it's romantic. You know what I mean? He, yeah, yeah. he goes back. the 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 music, the score, kind of swells up. It's in like slow motion. It's like you know, you, you see him like very delicately, like like put the beans on the plate. You know what I mean? And he's like he wants it to be like special. Mm-hmm. And I just think like it's I don't know, man. Like first of all, I don't think I've ever seen a movie where like one black guy cooked for another black guy. You know what I mean? I think that in general is kind of cool. Uh, but just like you know, homosexuality in 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 black culture is is very like it's still that's still getting some legs. You know what I mean? And this is a very like I feel like it's a very real, a very like authentic kind of moment. You know what I mean? Where like it's not they're not they don't have this camp. You know what I mean? It's not this Harvey Milk style relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a very like adult, uh, you know, black community style. Like like, hey, like, just be real. And I don't know, man. I just I love that scene. I fucking think it's a great scene. Right on. I'm gonna give a runner up real quick. Um, ultimately, didn't pay off for me, but I really do like the setup and the idea. Um, Ian McKellen sells it for me. Gods and monsters words. Uh, stripping by the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy comes to interview him. You know, I thought yeah. Ian McKellen was phenomenal. Very creepy. You know, very um, indulgent, indulging in his fantasies right. there. But then that guy was just very annoying to me. The, the guy that was doing the interview, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it didn't go there. But I really do like that scene. I thought it was a really good setup. Um, so I went with Tangerine, and I f- wrestled with this all day. Um, I had it like a, again a three way tie where I was like, where am I going here um, for my best scene? So I'll start with one, and it sounds funny when I explain it, but I think there's a lot of emotion to it, and it's the uh, the cab driver blows um, Alexandra oh, in yeah. the car wash before going home to his Christmas dinner. You know, yeah. but there's a what I love about that scene is it's just not a sex scene right there. Like there's emotion, there's there's a relationship right there between the Armenian cab driver and Alexandra. Like he actually does care for her quite mm-hmm. a bit. I mean he's trying to make it to her show. That's all he can think right. about on Christmas dinner. And uh, but then it gets down to sex in a car wash, you know, after they have a conversation, you know? I yeah. love the conversation leading up to that though. I thought that was great. And then um, another one I wanted to go with was um, where the Armenian cab driver picks up the prostitute has her in the car and he thinks that she's a tranny. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
he's like, okay, like I want to, I want to go down on you. So she pulls down her panties. You know, he's like, you, this is a, what the like, fuck the, is that? Where's your, where's your <laughs> dick? Where's your, like you tucked. You tucked. You know, like. But his expression and the way that he just like, what the fuck's going on here? You know, get the fuck out of my car. Yeah. He's, he's he's pissed. Oh, right, right, right. And she's being nice to him. Yeah. You know, right. I know she's she's, she's a sex worker, but she's indulging. Yeah. She's indulging. And he's just like, get the fuck out of my car. You don't have a dick. What the fuck are you trying to pull here? And it's like, dude, you know, you picked her up. But I think my favorite scene had me rolling. It is when um, Alexandra argues with her client. I was going to say, this was very close for me as well. Argues with the client about, because I guess he's, you know, he only has 40 bucks. Right. And he's not going to get a blow job. But he's like, well, what if I cuff, cut my balls and you jerk me off or whatever? Yeah. And then, they, the, then that whole scene gets broken up by the police. But I think that's just, it's a lot of comedy right there. I think that well, it's, it's really it. well done. You know, he's like fucking hassling her, like, not like, like grabbing the money out of her hand. She's like, <laughs> Motherfucker, you forget I got a dick too. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm gonna fucking beat it's your just, ass. It's man. just haggling. <laughs> I put in my notes haggling over his orgasm. Right. <laughs> you know, I'll just cut my balls. I'll give you 40 bucks. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll do that. Okay, right. I'll, okay, I'll help fine. you out. I'll help you out. I need 40 bucks. You want to get off? Yeah. Cut your balls. Whatever. Let's just do this. <laughs> you know, and then he's not going to pay because he can't get off. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm just going to title that the haggling over the orgasm scene. <laughs> but I thought that was just great. So. Uh, but that's that's awesome when you have this small independent film and you got those three scenes just yeah. right there that I'm like, man, which one do I want to go with? Right, right. right. Um, and then the fourth one would have been, which we'll get into my defining moment later. Okay. So, <laughs> so what um, was your pick then? Was it was the, the, the haggling, over, haggling the, over the orgasm okay. in, in Tangerine. So it's a good scene. All right, defining moment. Uh, defining moment, it, we talk about this all the time. It's just kind of that lasting image, song, just moment when, we, when we've when we watched all these movies and we sit back and we go, what's the first thing that pops into my mind when I think of these movies? For me, it's Hedwig's look. Like that, the, the shitty kind of a wiggish sort of stuff, like the, the makeup, like this just like really like strange and interesting human being that you're just staring down and, 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 and the mixture of that with the music and the actual performances going on. Um, that's the first thing I think about, and it's it, I keep going back to the soundtrack and stuff too. Like that has really stuck with me. Yeah, mine's also Hedwig. It's um, just the origin of love. The song. Yeah. Um, so again, like so, what the the song is basically like kind of this origin story of what love is. Like um, the idea was that like there were it used to be there were like three sexes. There were like one of them was like a man and a woman together. One of them was like two men together, and and one of them was like two women together. And that, like, it's kind of this, you know, like, they become so strong and defiant that, like, God's, like, fucking cut them in half with lightning bolts and shit. And that's that's kind of explaining what love is, you know I mean? It's trying to find that other person that you were once a part of, you know what I mean? It's, it's a very, like, I don't know, it's just fucking, it's a romantic way to look at what love is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and the idea of, like, you know, what uh, soulmates are, right? Um, and it, it just, you know, when I think about like, you know, why am I straight? Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm straight because I like girls, you know, but I, I can't tell you why, you know what I mean? Like I, if someone says to me like, so I, I went up since I've been little, like I'm attracted to women. You know what I mean? If, if you were to say to me like, well, since I was little, I've been attracted to men. Like I can't fucking argue that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how, who the fuck am I to argue that? I don't know why the fuck I like girls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, mm-hmm. it's you're just looking for the person that makes you happy, and looking for the person that like completes you. And so, for me, I mean, that's, you know, that's what this is. I think that's what this this Pride Marathon is all about: is raising awareness yeah. of that kind of stuff. I and guarantee, so for me, like that's. I guarantee, what, if I would have grown up watching Schwarzenegger, Stallone, John Wayne, Chuck Norris, fucking dudes, 
Mm-hmm. Probably would end up being gay. But you, you did, though. <laughs> like, you literally did. What? Like, no, fucking dudes. No, he meant fucking dudes. Literally fucking no. dudes. <laughs> no, but, no, but you're saying if you if you grew up watching those movies, which you literally did, uh-huh. then you would end up fucking dudes? If I saw them fucking dudes. Oh, if you saw them fucking yeah, yeah. dudes. Yeah, I wonder how that oh. would have changed me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Rocky, if he just started fucking Apollo at the end of the movie? It really would have changed the It would have changed, like, the... the <laughs> <laughs> the, I think the tone. Yeah. I think Terminator. If Schwarzenegger fucked the Predator at the end, instead <laughs> of blowing up. So I'm just saying. I'm just right. saying. Um, my defining moment was uh, the graceful ending of Tangerine, where Alexandra takes off her wig and gives it to Cindy oh, yeah. in the oh, laundry mat. Fucking beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. Like I'm really surprised you guys didn't go that route. I have a quote from Sean Baker. He goes, "In taking off their wigs, they were completely naked, right. and I knew that. And that's why the scene was was written because it was about uh, the degree that one friend would go uh, for another friend, you know. Mm. And it's so beautiful. And same scenes in Hedwig. What's yeah. so important though is like with this this transgender scene here is you like taking off their wig is exposing everything, right. you know. And uh, they actually had a closed set. I don't know if you guys know this. Like they wouldn't let any friends, family, anybody around." Um, close set, and then they filmed that scene isolated with everyone else, just Sean Baker, Maya, and Katana, you know, mm. Kiki Rodriguez. Um, just such a beautiful, beautiful scene. Great ending note, too. It, and, and it works because, like, both of them are, they're both still men. Neither of us transi- transitioned to a woman. They both identify as women, but, like, they're both very passable as women. Right. And, and even though you know that, like, in, in context of the story, they are still men, like, you believe them as women, and then when they take those wigs off, it totally changes right, their changes. appearance, and you're like, oh, that's that's definitely a man. Like, yeah. you can see it differently. Mm-hmm. That, that that moment, like, hits harder because of that. Like, it's fantastic. All right, that takes us to Best Director. Man, like... Yeah, another hard this one. This one's yeah. really hard, because even though, you know, with cinematography, I said, like, everything but Hedwig... I would have considered, like, I would consider Hedwig in there just because John Cameron Mitchell's doing so much and, you know, Todd Haynes puts together this gorgeous movie in every context and, and, and Bill Condon's got this deeply personal story. Like, fucking, I, I could have picked any yeah, fucking yeah, one of these this movies. Was, this was super and hard just as they were all. I will, I will not argue with either of you for whatever you end up picking, but uh, I ended up going with Milk um, just because you've got a, a fantastically written story. Um, all of these fucking characters and how they're used and how they come together and there's so many different it's it's the most i guess sort of like unique storytelling style in this to me as well because you're getting these cutbacks to i not really present day but like harvey you know talking into this uh recording like telling his life story and like you even know leading up to this that like something awful is going to happen like whether you know the real harvey milk story or not you know He's probably going to die because he keeps talking about, like, you know, if I don't make it, here's my story. Right. Yeah. And you get cuts back in between that. And you're jumping throughout his life. Um, and you get, like, cool usages of, like, you know, him on television and the way it looks when he's on television. And it, it, you talked about the, the storefronts. Like, mm-hmm. he, he made you feel like you were, like, this movie was made yeah. in the 70s. In the 70s, yeah. It really felt that way, and that that's incredibly important. So uh, it, it, the movie doesn't work, uh, you know, with Sean Penn, but it also I don't think works without Gus Van Sant. I don't disagree with you, man. I went with uh, Barry Jenkins over Moonlight, uh, just because I think they there are so many things that they did first with this. You know, you said like the first, it's the first like um, all black cast to get. Uh, 
you know, uh, an Oscar or whatever, first Muslim actor to get an Oscar. I, I, I feel like they pu- they put together a very unique story and a, a very a unique screenplay, um, put it together in a way that is consistent. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like, believe every stage of the story. Um, all the actors throughout are, like, I mean, you have different actors playing the same characters, and I still feel like, it's the same character, and I feel like that's hard to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's hard just for just in terms of direction. Also, capturing Miami, um, and just uh, I. So I, I, I hadn't. An, what what actually won it over for me was uh, an interview that I had read with him, where he had talked. It was actually about that diner scene and talking about the intimacy of cooking for somebody and and how they wanted to capture that and things like that. And I felt like, man, like. This guy's really put a lot of fucking thought into like how this scene's gonna work and why it works and what it means to the overall story, and like that's just really impressive. To he me. he had, like basically said he was done directing like years ago. Yeah. And then this story came along and he was like, "No, I I gotta I've gotta make this movie." Yeah. Like it became a serious passion project for him. That's awesome. I didn't go that route, but I want to add something to that. Um, Moonlight is for a director. It's the lowest budget for an Academy Award, not yeah, yeah. Or, yeah Academy and Award also, winning I think movie. It, 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 what is, it was like the lowest grossing, I think. Mm, I think film as well. Like, I don't think a lot of people yeah, went to go did, see it, did, it, it really. Like, like, but it doesn't look like I think it was like one point five million. Don't quote me on that, but that's low. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot going on in Moon. It doesn't look like a million dollar movie. It looks a lot more expensive than a million dollar movie. Yeah, it, it looks fantastic. Um, so my best director is. Someone I would not have guessed going into this because, you know, again, you nominated Velvet Goldmine. Right. I was not a fan of Todd Haynes. I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing, you know? And I have actually have a, a greater appreciation for Todd Haynes because I, um, I didn't do this to every interview, so or every director, but um, hearing his passion earned the best director for me. I, I watched a lot of them, um, interviews because of Velvet Goldmine and this. I was very curious. Well, how did this movie work? And mm-hmm. the other ones didn't. And he has the same formula. Um, one of the things that he did for Carol, though, is he, uh, for seven months, okay, like Carol, again, low-budget movie, all right, um, not very expensive. He spent, there's a lot of geography in Carol, okay, but for 1950s, you guys wouldn't really probably expect this, but he spent seven fucking months glued to the editor in that movie, um, pulling out modern components to make that movie look like mm. a 1950s movie. And again, when you talk about cinematography, um, it was my runner-up for cinematography. There's a lot of looking through glass, <laughs> windows, right. um, you know, mirror shots, and then removing all the modern components out of that. And there's a lot of geography to cover. Pulling all that out, it feels like a 1950s movie. Mm. So I had to give him some props for that. Um, and he creates image books for all of his movies. Velvet Goldmine, this. Um, he compiled 80 pages of photo collages, all right, to get um, the feel of his movie. Um, as, a, as a guide, okay, and then handed it out. He's like, this is what I want my movie to look like. Took him two months to compile hmm. all the photos to get Carol to look like how he wanted it to look like. And then um, it got my best soundtrack. He compiled 79 songs and music, all right, put it on disc. This is him doing all this, okay? He has staffing, you know, that does stuff, but he's so hmm. hands-on listening to these interviews how he just he had to be in control so this movie would you know turn out how he wanted it to and 79 songs he gave it to Kate Blanchett Rooney Mara he's like listen to this get into the the vibe and you expect something like that from a James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy you mm-hmm. know but for a small 1950s movie about lesbians 
a lot of care went into this movie, and I'm very grateful for that because I think we have a great movie here with Todd Haynes. Mm -hmm. So that's why he um, got my best director. Fantastic. But I think a lot of these movies, I think all of them set out, they, they achieved what they set out to do. You know, mm -hmm. Gods and Monsters, maybe not, I don't know, but I think uh, you look at Milk, you know, um, you look at all these movies, I think they achieved what they what they set out to do. So, sure. yeah, as you said, all the directors, I think that were pretty great. Yeah. Um, that takes us to Worst Picture. <laughs> um, for me, uh, it came down to two movies, and I, I liked all these movies, actually, so... It, uh, I went with Carol as my, my least favorite really? um, kind of movie. It, it's it's a little bit slower than all the other movies. Yeah. It, it's it's hard to draw yeah. you in sometimes. Yeah, it's it's gorgeously shot. Yeah. There's some great performances in it, but it doesn't like grab your attention. Like and they it, didn't it, have sex, it, and I really wanted them to have sex. Yeah, they in that did. Movie. Yeah, they did. Well, not like I wanted to see them have sex. <laughs> what I wanted to see on the. You beach wanted to see like you wanted to see each other. Like, <laughs> did you? What <laughs> were you happy? <laughs> okay, that didn't factor into why. <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, it's just a slower movie. It's easier to kind of like zone out while you're watching it. Um, doesn't really grab me if you know you put all six of these movies in front of me and said we got to watch five of these in a row. Like uh, Carol's not the one I'm going to want to rewatch. Yeah. There were two. There were two films that that in this marathon that like. As I watched them, like, I zoned the fuck out. And, like, one of them was Carol. But the other one, like, way more was Gods and Monsters. Like, I'll yeah. never watch this fucking movie ever again. Like, I don't want to fuck talk about it. <laughs> and, like, I thought, like, Ian McKellen did a good job, but he was just Ian McKellen. Yeah. I disagree that it's, like, Brendan Fraser's best role. Yeah. Uh, because Airheads is a thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, Airheads is one of my favorite fucking movies sure. of all time. So, like, I... I and even I know I know Brad kind of talks shit about the Mummy, but I think the Mummy's a fucking great. I remember yeah. when the Mummy came. I out. I thought he was the best part of the Mummy. I thought I thought when Mummy came out, Brendan Fraser was gonna be like the fucking dude, like yeah. forever. I don't really have any problem with him. It's just the Mummy, the movie, oh, the movie no, in general. No, I thought he did a great job. No, you're fine, whatever. So like, <laughs> uh, no, for me, man, it's Gods and Monsters. I I didn't fucking like it, man. Uh, I was like, I mean, I just felt like. Every five minutes, I was like, oh, I got to watch this shit. And it was like, check my phone. Oh, let's, I was like, just looking up, like, why is this movie good? You know what I mean? Like, just, <laughs> you type it into Google, why is God's, why is God's Monsters, Monsters good? Is it our lowest? Like, no. No. That's wild, too. No, no. Uh, Hedwig uh, Hed 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 was 93. Yeah. And then God's and Monsters was 95. Okay. Um, I, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's bad. I think that. Again, like I think if you redid this movie today, I think you could do a wonderful yeah, job. Yeah, I agree. But I, I don't know. It just feels nothing about it feels good to me. There's such a like cool story in there. Though. There's a great so I'm interested yeah, in story. the story. That's why I got my best character. Like I'm very interested yeah. in James Wells. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, so growing up World War One, 1930s, 1950s, creating you know, um, he, he actually directed The Invisible Man, which I think is a pantheon movie. Mm -hmm. The only Universal movie that I think is pantheon is Invisible Man. They didn't even touch on that. It was all focused right. on Frankenstein, right. you know, but. Um, well, that's yeah. kind of the point of the story is you know building this right. monster and yeah, like, yeah. which I, I thought that I didn't just say it in my I what the fucks, but that was a weird walk at the end, didn't you think? Where Brandon yeah. Fraser is walking uh, off in the alley as, as Frankenstein? Oh, um, kind of too on the nose. Yeah, a little on the nose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so where? Yeah, did you? Yeah, so worst picture. Yeah, um, you know what? Talking through this, 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 having this conversation, I when I started, I had Hedwig on here. I, I looked at Hedwig as like a, I don't know, I could not get into it. It felt like a freshman version of Velvet Goldmine. 
Okay. And, it, and I also got the sense of like a post-millennial Rocky Horror Picture Show, but that's not as good. And I remember not liking Rocky Horror Picture Show that much. Um, I have to go back and watch it. It's been at least 15 years, so you know I can't really say too much. But it felt like a cheap version of Rocky Horror Picture Like I, I can imagine a lot of people getting together and watching Hedwig and, and just not being as, as a fun experience as Rocky Horror. Okay, mm-hmm. so with that said... I came in tonight with that as my worst, but I'm, I'm going to change it. Um, at least I think there's there's enough there. Like if you if you like that music, I think especially with uh, what's the the actor's name? John Cameron, John Cameron Miller. Miller. Triple billing. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. he wrote, direct, starred. I, 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 there's a there's a lot going on there. I don't want to give it worst picture, so I'm going to go Gods and Monsters. I, I was I'm right there with you. I, I was really surprised that this movie was rated so highly. I was like, man. I don't I think watched... that it's bad. I just don't fucking don't, care. Yeah, it's not bad. Like... It's 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 very safe. It's very safe. Yeah. yeah. Very safe movie. Like, everything is safe from casting to camera shots. It does nothing original, I don't think. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, it's, a, it's a movie of its times, too. I uh, just, I was kind of bored with it, and I was thinking the whole time, like, man, you know, Gods and Monsters was probably the fourth or fifth, and that's when I was starting to watch Dog Day. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, we're going to have a Dog Day or a Brokeback Mountain here or Chasing Amy yes, or, or yeah. something. I'm like, I feel man, like if this took this sucks. out and put in Dog Day, like, fuck, this would have been such a better God, movie. I like damn. the marathon, but yeah, like yeah. that movie. See, I, I watched that and then I watched Carol. And it was like, so the last two movies that I watched were ones that I thought were like just dragged the yeah. fuck on. Yeah. Especially when you're doing it how you are, where you're watching right, where back you're to back to back. Them, yeah. yeah, that's that's rough. So yeah, I went with um, the uh, Gods and Monsters. So okay, so that brings us to our best pictures. Um, God, for me, it's it's got to be Milk. Um, it's it's it was not last in any category by far. It, it took my most points in categories. Second, third, and a lot of others, and even in ones that it won, it probably would have been second if I had put two things together for it. You know, um, talking about Gus Van Sant, you know, doing a great job directing that the movie wouldn't be what it is without Sean Penn in it. Uh, being a great political movie, if this had been in our political one, I think would have gotten some pretty decent praise too. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll take the shit out of kick the shit out of Bob Roberts for sure. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Bob Roberts is good. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, everything that's kind of culminated together. It is a a fantastic movie. It's an important movie. It tells a, a great, comprehensive, realistic story of a pretty tragic moment in history. And I, yeah, I, if if I'm watching any of these movies again, I'm probably watching Hedwig first because I just enjoy the fuck out of it. But I'm I'm getting the most out of watching Milk if I watch it again. So, well, no. I think that's probably accurate. Like. So it got all my awards, man. It got the most awards for me, and it was my it was my pick going in. It was like people were always like, you know, hey, we should get this in. And I'm like, nah, man, Hedvig. <laughs> like Hedvig's my pick, man. It's, it's it's your favorite. It's top ten of favorite films of all time, anyway. Uh, it was the one that I really pushed for to be in the marathon. Mm-hmm. I know, like when I when I started with the Pantheon Council and stuff. I mean, you know. I've always said, like, I, I kind of just want to use that position to, like, make you fucking watch movies that I like. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and so this is kind of the same thing. Sometimes and, it pays and, off and sometimes, sometimes it, it pays off and sometimes yeah. it doesn't. But, e- but either way, like, people have, people have now seen Velvet Goldmine. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And then but they probably wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, again, like, like, Hedvig is a movie that's really important to me. And if I can make you guys watch it, then all the better. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, even if it doesn't win, and I'm, I'm sure it won't, but like, but Hedvig still takes my best picture for sure. I enjoy it way more than any of these other films. Milk would be probably the next highest. Okay. 
Yeah, so mine was uh, milk was close second. All right, but I went tangerine. Oh, oh wait, tangerine would be tangerine and milk right yeah, up there, man. For the longest time, milk was you know I watched milk first movie, second movie, and then when I watched tangerine for the third time now since it, since it's been released, all on Netflix by the way, all three yeah. times uh, within the span of a year and a half probably. Um, it got my best duo. It got my best acting. It got um, defining moment, scene, runner up in a lot of categories. Um, cinematography. I think this movie's inspiring. It makes me want to go make a movie right now. Absolutely. I would. I want to have you guys over sometime. Like, dude, let's make a fucking seven minute. You know, like right. little idea. Let's go film it in fucking downtown Lafayette. Yeah. What's stopping us? You know, it's right, exactly. dedication. You know, getting out there and fucking doing it. Um, and then you know, I, I saw like a lot of cliches in, in this marathon where you know you watch action movies, you watch you know, any movie, any marathon you watch you're gonna find some cliches yeah and i thought this was the most original where it was like a day in the life like i really enjoyed it It was like such a breath of fresh air again i was watching this i was like man it's not about and again oppression it's an important thing it, it, it happened it's still happening yeah um but it's so nice to just watch a movie where i was spending time with gay people in their life and just watching them fuck around in downtown la i had a blast just be with it yeah, just be people people being people man real people real situation um, I thought it was great. Um, I was entertained. Uh, just a phenomenal experience. And old-fashioned, like I said a couple times, old-fashioned comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I could see this being made in the 50s, not about transgenders, but, right. you know, I could see the the structures there of a right. 1950s kind of comedy, you know. Um, yeah, I had a blast with this movie. I thought it was great. Um, some other ones was uh, the uh, Moonlight it's fantastic too. That was such a great movie. It didn't get a lot of my awards, but again, I wasn't expecting it to. Uh, I have a lot of respect. I know it doesn't really show too much here, but I have a lot of respect for Moonlight, and especially that screenplay. That screenplay, I think, is so important to gay I, cinema. I, I agree with you, man. Moonlight's like second act. I wasn't. I know we, we yeah. talked a lot about the hand job thing, but like, and I like that. But a lot of like, just like the fucking the school scenes where like this this bully dude is like. I don't know, like, really, like, overtly antagonistic toward him, and I just feel like almost like it's this contrivance that we're accepting because we need to move this shit along. I just don't, I don't even, I don't believe that it's, like, that openly antagonistic, and then, like, the teachers have no idea who beat the shit out of him. Like, fuck, of course you do. Yeah. It's the dude who's threatening him in class every fucking day. Like, come on. Yeah, I took my wife to watch... Just shit like that. I took my wife to watch Moonlight in the theater um, to to prepare for my top ten, you know, and uh, great movie. Great movie, but it didn't even break my 10. A lot of people are like, man, you're not putting Moonlight on your top 10. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm a La La Land guy. And when at the end, when Moonlight, and again, Moonlight, all black cast, LGBT, mm-hmm. editor was a, a black African-American. Um, he's a uh, Mahershala Ali, fucking Muslim. A lot of great, important things going on. But man, you ask me any of the week, man, you want to watch La La Land, you want to watch Moonlight, La La Land's where I'm going, you know. Um, so yeah. anyway, Moonlight, great movie. Didn't get a lot of my awards, but uh, yeah, I'm going with Tangerine. I think it's a a great just breath of fresh air. Sure. All right, that takes us to the end of this marathon, which means we will count the golden idols, and then we will be back, and we will let you know who won, and then we will we will talk about have a conversation about if it's pantheon worthy. We'll be right back. <laughs> We are back, and after counting the Golden Idols, Milk is the Golden Idol winner with how many? 16. What was second place? Tangerine with 13, then we can drop down further. Moonlight was third with 10. Fourth was Hedwig with 9. Carol was fifth with 4, and Gods and Monsters ended up with negative 1. 
be dead last there. All right, so the only LGBT movie that matters now is Milk. Is it the marathon winner? Does it deserve Pantheon? For any new listeners, the Pantheon is the home for our favorite movies of all time. We need a unanimous vote tonight, and then it gets kicked up to the Pantheon Council. Is Milk Pantheon worthy? Let's start with you, Kyle. It was your best picture. Yeah. What do you think? Um, This is one of those movies, to me, that's really on the cusp of possibly getting there. Um, but I could see it, you know, not making it would be okay if it didn't. But I wouldn't have a problem with it being in there either. Um, you know, I, if I were, if I were to give it a grade now, I would say it's probably four and a half and I would probably give it a yes. Um, but, and I would like to see what the council would say. So I would say it would be a yes to kick it up to, to see. Okay. You're right, man. It's one of those things where it's right on the cusp. Right. And like, cause I feel like there are some things about it that like, like, it's not super clear to me, like. I know Dan like resigns, but it, like like that that kind of that him being off the board of supervisors and like why he's so upset. Like I don't feel like it's super well like presented. Sure. Um. But but yeah, I'm like you, man. Like I feel like I could really go either way. It's probably a four point five. And like. I mean, if if we're if we're all like to be honest, if if we're all on that page, I would probably say yes, just to kick it up, and kind of see how it goes. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so I guess it uh, comes down to you, Brad. What are you thinking <clears throat> on it? No, okay. <laughs> I love Milk. Okay. I think Milk was great. It was my runner-up for Best Picture for a while, but uh, I have to draw a line somewhere, you know. And sure. when I'm when I'm watching these movies, there was none, for, by the way, that I thought was Pantheon. And mm-hmm. I got I gave Tangerine my Best Picture. It got most at seven of my awards. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very unique movie that needs to be, you know, seen Tangerine, but I wouldn't even say that was Pantheon. Uh, Milk, my, draw that line somewhere. It was like, I watch Milk, and when I walk away from Milk, I feel the same way from Milk that I do for a lot of biopics. Ray, mm-hmm. Ali, um, man, what's it, what's it, Walk the Line. Mm-hmm. Great performances and everything, but there there has to be something a little bit more. There's great performances, right. there's great direction, cinematography. It's a really great movie. Mm-hmm. But, again, you guys were kind of like, ah, it's on the cuff, you know, like yeah. a 4.5, <laughs> I don't know. And for me, okay, I watched that Dog Day Afternoon, and, you know, there, there's so much going on with a movie like that, and then you jump into some of these other movies I watched, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I found that LGBT Pantheon movie that's next to, you know, like, mm-hmm. The Godfather, The Rocky, you know, all these other movies, and then I watched these. I'm like, yeah, these were great. But I watched the LGBT Pantheon movie. And you know what I was saying? I wasn't saying, it's close. Yeah, yeah, It's pretty close. I was saying, that's fucking Pantheon. I mean, I think, I think, and, you know, we've never clearly defined, like, you know, what what is Pantheon? Like, what, why should a movie be Pantheon? Yeah. And, and I, I haven't think, defined it because I want you guys to figure that out for yourselves. No, like, I, Ryan and I have been doing Pantheon since 2007. When we've been doing Pantheon. So I have a pretty clear idea of, of mine. Like, mm-hmm. I have to walk away from a movie being, you know, I have to enjoy it, and I have to respect it. Technically, well, culturally impact. Uh, right. I, I mean, impact. So that this is what makes it hard. Like, I enjoy milk. Mm-hmm. I respect milk. I will happily, like, suggest milk yeah. to other people. You know what I mean? So, but do I think that it belongs on a list next to... Star Wars, you know exactly. what I mean? Like, and that's where I think, do- like a movie like Dog Day Afternoon. Know. That's where Dog Day Afternoon. I'm like, yeah, it does. Right. 
right. no problems, you know, with it. Uh, there, there's scenes in that movie, too, and I know we're not talking about Dog Day, but just to make it a little bit clear, like, there's scenes where, you know, Al Pacino, he has to call his wife and tell him what's going on. It's his confession scene, you know, and mm-hmm. calling, you know, Chris Rennan, telling him what's going on there. It's a one-location movie, pretty much. It's Sidney LeMay. I mean, there's so much going on in a movie like Dog Day Afternoon. It really sucks that I didn't even think about it at the end. None of us thought about it to put into this. I really Mm -hmm. wish it was here now. Um, I just dropped the ball. I was one of those guys who dropped the ball, too. But, yeah, I don't feel that way. You know, I don't feel the same way. Like like Liberty Valance, Mm -hmm. man. You know, I watched Liberty Valance. I I walked away. I'm like, man, people need to see this. I love this story. I can talk about Liberty Valance all Mm -hmm. day with people, you know, uh, about the hero or the legend and stuff like that. And with Milk, I think it's it's a great clean movie man like you know milk is it's hard to find flaws in it yeah it is yeah. it really is yeah. but at the end of the day like i you know I, I will watch milk again it's definitely in the top two or three that i would probably watch again but i watched milk when it came out whenever it was and really didn't have a desire to go back and watch it again is it an important film probably but i think there's better movies that we can put in our list of greatest movies ever made so Plus, marathon I, men are like five for five. I, I said, we got a shit or whatever. So, like, track if we put something up there that's like kind of on the cusp, like that yeah, yeah. puts that in. You know what I mean? Puts it in jeopardy. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of people will probably have that effect where they're like, mm-hmm. <sighs> "Yeah, I get it. I think yeah, it yeah. is." Yeah. But yeah. I don't want. I don't want to ever have that kind of facial expression when right. we're talking about Pantheon. You know, it should be that fiery, like "Fuck yeah, it is, dude." Right. Or like if Kyle says no, you're like, "Whoa, whoa, what the fuck, man? Right? It's not Pantheon, <laughs> goddamn!" Like you know, like we're still shitty about Apocalypse Now. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's been like a year. Yeah, it's been like, a year. <sighs> exactly. And I, Nominated. I, I got rear window in. <laughs> well, yeah. Now, now, like I'm, I'm. Yeah. Now I got this problem right. where. Next year, because we only get one nomination a year, and I like keeping it tight like yeah. that. I could be cool and give everybody a second one, but it really makes you think. Right. What's that one movie you're going to... Now I'm torn, because I don't have another war marathon coming up, okay? Yeah. I really... I got too many other verses going on to put Apocalypse Now next to something so I can get it kicked up to the council. Right. So someone has to nominate. So I'm like, well, fuck, am I going to nominate that next year? But now... I'll tell you what, I was like, eh, maybe there's three movies I wanted to nominate for my, my pick next year. Apocalypse Now was like the top one. But now it's going to be fighting with Dog Day Afternoon because if yeah. not, no one's going to probably watch it. No one's right. going to talk about it, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it just sucks, <laughs> you know? But I, yeah. dude, I watch movies, I, I think about movies all the time about, like, you know, because, yeah, you only get one pick. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm always like, dude, you know, like, you know what would be a fucking really good pick? You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm always like making notes and like, you know, storing them away and. God, I've got like four or five. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. The only way I can do it now is if uh, we do a Sidney LeMay, you know, yeah. <laughs> marathon next year. <laughs> bank, which I, bank robbery movies. Yeah, exactly. Bank robbery movies. So there might be a chance for, for that Dude, one to come heist out. movies would be fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, but I think there has to be something just a little bit more to it. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it, it has some pretty cool political things to milk. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, not enough to, to make me feel like it was multi-layered. Like, I felt like it was by the numbers for the most part. Biopic. I, I got you. You know, like Walk the Line, Ollie, you know, Ray. I felt like they, they didn't do anything really that much different to really inspire me. Mm. I can see it inspiring gay community because it's a gay icon that was that was really right. well done. But as a Pantheon film, I can't get behind it. So that's that's my yeah. closing thoughts. Anything you guys want to add to this I about Milk fair. or no, Tangerine? Was there any that you would have said yes to? Um, you know, I think Moonlight probably would have been on that cusp for me as well. Um, a little bit, a little bit lower and a little less, uh, confident about it than I would have been with, with Milk if it got bumped up. Um, uh, like Nathan said, we're, we're, we're sitting at perfect for everything that we say that gets bumped up has, has gotten in what, Yojimbo thing, uh, Liberty Valance. There's something one else. more, I think. Yeah, yeah. I had something else. Um, 
And but you know, we getting those in. Like I don't, I don't know if milk would make it. So I'm, I'm okay with it not yeah. being pushed up. Um, and when I say those movies right there, Yo Jimbo, Liberty Valance, The Thing, mm-hmm. Milk. <laughs> yeah, I got you. You know, yeah. I got you. I understand that. But I guarantee, I'm, I'd almost guarantee that if you guys watch Dog Day Afternoon, have you guys ever watched that? Yeah. If I've I, seen a long time. Okay, ago. I think I think I'm pretty confident. <laughs> if I would be like Yo Jimbo, The Thing, Liberty Balance, Dog oh, Day yeah. Afternoon, it definitely like, sounds. Motherfucker, you onto something? <laughs> I think that would yeah. really get it. So, um, a, yeah. yeah, it's a shame we didn't. We, didn't yeah, we all dropped that one though. So, but um, <clears throat> any that you would have said. Yes I, to. I absolutely would have said yes to Hedvig, and I would have said yes to probably Tangerine. Okay. Right on. And Tangerine, I think that's if if you need to if you want to watch something interesting, go check out Tangerine. It's on Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, let it inspire you, man. Like, like I probably like so. Ex- for example, like I probably wouldn't recommend Hedvig to everybody because I just don't think that's a film that everyone's going to enjoy. Right. But, like I would recommend Tangerine to fucking anybody. You yeah. know what I mean? Like especially people who are interested in making a movie, a podcast, right. anything like that. Especially it hits a, it really hits home when when we do everything. Yeah. In video land with our fucking iPhones. Right. You know? Everything. That's a big... You know, people come to me all the time. They're like, hey, I want to do a podcast. Like, what is it you guys use? And like, dude, we use a fucking iPod. Yeah, no like, one... We, yeah. Use, we use an iPhone. There's like, certain apps, you know? I even email myself my eight pages of notes mm-hmm. that, you know, for podcast. Everything structured through the fucking use of an iPhone. That's the thing. Like, there's there's no... Re- I know you say this a lot, but like, there's no reason why you, like, you can't go out and do whatever the fuck that you want to do. Like, don't... You don't have to put in a million fucking dollars in something. No. Like, we're doing this shit with no. nothing. Basically. A lot of the top like, podcasts out there are literally just iPhones and a decent mic. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And you don't even need the decent mic. Right. You can <laughs> you can just fucking talk into the phone and you're right. fine. Like, we've got a pretty solid mic set up here. And it, it, we just use the iPhone. It's pretty, no. pretty The simple. group was started through Facebook. Everything right. on my phone, <laughs> you yep. know? Everything's so, really organic and, like, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. So, it, very inspiring film. So, check it out. Um, anything else, you, again, you guys want to add to this? No, I, I I enjoyed this marathon. I think it was a good one to do. It was an important one to do. Yeah, for um, sure. I, I really liked pretty much every movie here. I had some, some droll moments with Carol and Gods and Monsters, but I, I didn't hate them. Um, yeah, pretty pretty solid. I do feel like that Gods and the Monsters, the, the Gods and Monsters really does have a good movie in it somewhere like made today. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it look it like there's some really fucking fantastic ideas like working in there. Like because I I didn't read too much into the movie before I actually watched it, and I was like, oh, this is. Kind of interesting yeah. where it started out, and then it, you know, we didn't even really didn't talk about the creepy World War Two, like World War One right. mask. Flashbacks. No, the mask oh, oh, that the he mask. makes Brendan Fraser oh, wear at yeah, the end. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was fucked up. Right, right, right. But uh, let's uh, let's end this podcast with um, talking about our next one. So we're taking what about a month and a half, two months off here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's busy time for for everybody. It's fucking yeah, summer, man. Summer. People got shit we going wanna, on. We want to enjoy the outside world, not cramped up on the couch watching. Yeah, too much. I think it's a safe. You know, I think, I think it's good that we do this. So we're going to take a little break. And um, with that void, I'm not really taking a break because I got like two verses that I'm <laughs> throwing together. And one's a hardcore one I'm doing next one, which is uh, Interstellar versus 2001. Oh, yeah. yeah so you got like so. 19 hours just to watch movies. Yes. <laughs> That's next. I'm actually, right before you guys came over, I had finished up these notes and I started framing the next conversation. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing next. But... Um, it's not going to be the marathon's really taken out of me because we got you know a versus is pretty easy. I'm too, I'm concentrated on Kubrick and Nolan. I'm concentrated on 2001 and Interstellar. Not too bad for right. studying and right. getting your notes together. But when you're breaking down six movies, five movies, it it becomes very intimidating. Um, but so this is a, a perfect time to announce our next marathon, which will be for Labor Day. 
Uh, we're going to talk about Miyazaki. Yeah, we're going to keep with our trend that we started up last year where we take a, a director mm-hmm. and we, we combine that with Labor Day. So a director that, you know, put Works a lot off. of labor <laughs> in there, work their ass off. Labor's of Love. We did Hitchcock last year, which was one of my favorite marathons Absolutely. that we did. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this, even though I wasn't as big into the anime marathon that we did earlier this year. I'm looking forward to this I'm one. I'm really curious about this one, too, because you're a big anime fan, mm-hmm. Nathan. And uh, I remember, like, one of the biggest anime movies of all time is Miyazaki's Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm like, let's take that and let's put it in the animated marathon. Right. And Because that, you know, hey, I know it's Miyazaki, but it's supposed to be one of the best, right? Let's put it up against Akira, right. Michelle, and then just scroll, see where it comes out. And it did fare pretty well. It did really well. But I think for it was me, second. Yeah, it was pretty But close. for me, it didn't do well at all. You guys pretty much carried that one. I was not a Spirited right. Away fan. And I'm kind of worried about this one. And then I wasn't a Grave of the Fireflies fan either. I found a lot of flaws that for me. I wasn't me. a huge Grave of the Fireflies fan. Yes. But, so I'm going yeah. into this Miyazaki marathon, kind of like scratching my head, be like, man, I hope, because I didn't care for Spirit Away at all. Grave of the Fireflies, I can understand some things in there, you well, know, we're but still. Get into some pretty fantastical films that are similar to Spirit yeah, Away. Yeah, so I'm kind of worried, guys, for me, um, what this is going to be like. But again, it's like, you know, any other marathon, it's something hey, that. that sometimes those are the more interesting episodes where, right. we, you know, it's hard to, like, pick because things are fucking just not easy because they, nothing stands out. So yeah, it's like so I hope really that there's one in. in here that I can get behind on Miyazaki or have a better understanding, which is why we do these. Well, absolutely. You know, so it's important. So, so which ones do we. Uh, line up for the Miyazaki one, Brad. It could potentially be. It's tentative. It it's always it's always tentative. Films, yeah, yeah. Right? Like it could potentially be our longest marathon ever. Um, yeah. Ever, yeah. So it's um, Kiki's Delivery Service, um, yeah. Porco Rosso. I might pronounce some of these wrong. Ponyo, uh, Princess Mononoke, My no- My Neighbor Totoro, Castle Sky, Castle in the Sky, and Hal's Moving Castle. So that's seven of them. Um, we've talked about maybe taking uh, Porco Rosso off. That's going to be the last movie that all of us watch mm-hmm. and if we have time. Mm-hmm. And then we'll add it for our number 7th. But, yeah, that's going to be mid-August that we're going to crack this out, so it'll be out for Labor Day. Yep, so, right on. Anything you guys want to comment about that? Yeah, let's, uh, it, you know, it, it was a daunting task for me to do the anime ones last time. Cause I, I, but Spirited Away was hands down my favorite. So, really? you know, I'm... I'm uh, I'm I'm having high hopes going into yeah. this one. You know, and talking about milk real quick again for Pantheon, it's interesting. Like when we did the anime, I was right there with you. Like I'm not a big anime guy. I suffered through a lot of the anime one. But you but, loved the fuck out of a kid. But yeah, yeah, at least I had one in there where you know, like I'm like fuck yeah, that's Pantheon again. I didn't have that fire from milk. Mm-hmm. But you look at the anime anime one, it took almost. All of my fucking... I think it was... Right. It's like 14, I think it took, which yeah, is it my highest. Ridiculous. It was my <laughs> highest ever uh, for a marathon. And like this one was pretty split for me, you know? Right. And that, I think that's a, a sign, too, when your awards, you know, how right. they line up, you know? And when it's couple here, couple there, and I think a Pantheon film should really fucking dominate right. your mm-hmm. list, you know? Um, it, and have, having said that, though, they're not always the most interesting marathons when like, one film is just blowing everything else yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, well, shit, I got like... 12 for this and like one for yeah. that like it's kind of the conversation maybe not as interesting yeah but because i plan on doing this for years okay and we're still young yeah. second third year third year that we've done marathons two that we've really concentrated mm-hmm. on the structure of it and eventually we're going to get to the point where you know like say we did a sydney lemay just okay mm-hmm. we did a sydney lemay say hypothetically that dog day afternoon one all right when we do get to that bank heist <laughs> marathon 
um, if, if it makes Pantheon, it's not eligible for a, you know, a marathon or right, a process right. or anything. It's locked into Pantheon, <laughs> Star Wars, any of those, the thing. So now we do another science fiction you know, marathon. Someone's like, where's the thing? It's like, it, dude, it's locked away. Right. It'll make our other conversations... You know, a little bit more interesting because mm-hmm. the big dogs will be locked away. Right. You know, so right. Cindy, you know, Cindy LeMay's Dog Day Afternoon won't be in a bank heist marathon. It won't be any other future, you know, LGBT marathons. You know, anything like that. So, uh, if if it was potentially to win, so I think yeah, yeah eventually we'll get to that point where the big dogs are locked away. You know, um, so all right. Until next time, my good people, Kyle. Where can they find you? Find me on the Facebook group, Kyle Brown. Um, I you know before these marathons go, I try to get discussions going on each of these movies individually throughout a poll so uh occasionally if i remember i do like famous people's birthdays you know that might get some discussions going so uh find me there movie script life everywhere else av uh twinkiedefense.com <laughs> <laughs> standard shit man. talk about your, your youtube man you do the it's a like gaming videos. youtube channel nothing to so do with this people, like, <laughs> people have other fucking interests nathan <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> not gonna promote it. Just type Nathan in YouTube. Maybe it'll come. Oh, up. I'm sure it'll come right up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com. You can find us on our Facebook page at Adventures in Videoland. We're all over the place: Tumblr, Twitter. Um, but the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. So until next time, my good people, you've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Good day. <laughs> Why don't you get yourself a fresh steak on me? Show's over for now.